You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. The serious side of the J. Rao Show is coming up next right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. 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 No more, it's none of my business. No more, I'm sure they'll work it out. No more, boys will be boys. No more, I'll say something next time. No more, why didn't she tell anyone? No more, she was flirting with him. No more, she's too smart to let that happen. No more, not my problem. No more, he didn't mean it. No more, why doesn't she just leave? No more, he said he was sorry. No more, she was drunk. No more, she was asking for it. No more, she seems just fine to me. No more, she should have been more careful. No more, we don't talk about that. No more bystanding. No more ignorance. No more excuses. No more. No more. No more. WWE Superstar Big Show here to tell you if you've been drinking, get a ride. Take a cab. Find another safe way to get home. Cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving. They will see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. Online radio at its best. Online radio at its best. Hey, 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 good install. If you're ready, map of the south. Let's do this. I'm telling you, I am first. Very honored that you would join me tonight. He has a very limited time spot, so we want to bring in Mr. Alan Sowell right away. Hey, how are you, Kathleen? You know what? I'm going to make you do what I do, baby. Man, what's crack a baby? What's crack a It's time for the serious side of the Jay Rowe Show. Don't try to call me out, princess. You can take your love and true purpose and stick it. She's a bitch. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Network. Live from NPR News, I'm Giles Snyder. President Trump wore a mask to meet wounded soldiers and their families at Walter Reed Army Medical Center this weekend. NPR's Franco Ordonez reports this is the first time the president has done so publicly since the coronavirus started spreading in the U.S. The president looked straight at TV and news cameras as he walked down the hall of the hospital wearing a blue mask with the presidential seal on the side. It was a major shift for the president who has refused to be seen by cameras with a mask. He has said before that he didn't want to give the press the satisfaction. He's been under pressure to send a different message by wearing a mask as coronavirus cases surge in parts of the country. The president's visit to Walter Reed came as data from the CDC show the number of coronavirus cases in a 24-hour period topped 66,000 in the U.S. yesterday. Former special counsel Robert Mueller taking issue with President Trump's decision to keep his friend and ally Roger Stone out of prison. Mueller has written an opinion piece for the Washington Post saying Stone remains a convicted felon and that he felt compelled to respond to allegations that the Russia investigation was a hoax. Portions of the popular Arizona Trail will be closed to the public beginning tomorrow so the Trump administration can finish building a border wall in the area. From member station KJZC, Michelle Maritzko reports. The U.S. government has several ongoing border wall projects throughout Arizona. 
and now it's about to begin a two-mile-long stretch in the Huachuca Mountains and cutting across the southernmost edge of the 800-mile trail. Matthew Nelson is executive director of the Arizona Trail Association, a nonprofit organization aimed at protecting the trails. We recommended a variety of mitigation measures, including using virtual fence technology or naturalizing the area after the border wall was built, uh, but neither one of those fit into CBP's plans. The old barbed wire fence that serves as the only barrier to Mexico in the region will be replaced with 30-foot baller-style walls, as well as lighting, cameras, and a border road. For NPR News, I'm Michel Marisco. Excessive heat advisories in effect from California to Louisiana. NPR's Amy Held reports temperatures could break records. The heat stretches from Southern California across Arizona, New Mexico, and into Texas. Cooling shelters are open in Phoenix, which yesterday saw its hottest day of the year at 115 degrees. Today's high is forecast to top that at 116 degrees. Meteorologist Brian Hurley says a broad area of high pressure and a lot of sun are behind it. Nothing unusual for the season. What is a little unusual is the fact that we normally would have seen those monsoonal rains kind of develop already, like in Arizona. Not seeing that. The heat wave is expected to ease for the region within the next couple of days. Then, later this week, the eastern part of the country gets hotter, with temperatures in the upper Midwest set to reach several degrees above average. This is NPR. Coming up next on The Serious Side. Uh, I am getting some breaking news right here, and I'll share it with everybody. I was just handed this. NBC News has now confirmed that President Trump has called Roger Stone and told him that he will commute his sentence. Now, Roger Stone had been scheduled to begin uh, serving a prison term next week. He had been seeking to have that delayed until September, but it had been scheduled to begin next week. Uh, Stone had been convicted a little over a year ago, almost a year and a half ago, I should say, on seven counts of obstruction, witness tampering, and making false statements to Congress. You can't blame this on the police officer. You can't say that we, this is about criminal justice reform. This is about some people carrying some weapons who shot up a car with an eight-year-old baby in the car. 17-year-old Darnella Frazier recorded the last minutes of George Floyd's life on a video that led to the arrest of the four police officers who are now charged with the murder of George Floyd. We now know that George Floyd said, I can't breathe more than 20 times as he struggled for air under a police knee in the last minutes of his life. That new count of how many times he said, I can't breathe, comes from the transcripts of the police body cameras of two of the police officers who were holding George Floyd down, Officer Thomas Lane and Officer Alexander King. Welcome to the serious side of the J. Ryle Show with Kathleen Williams, Mrs. Vanessa Maybell, Mr. Jerome Esprit, the official texter of the show, Mr. Johnny D, and Mr. Elias. Now here is your host, J. Ryle. Thank you so much and welcome. Here are the topics that we'll be discussing today. July 12th, right here on the serious side. Do not pass go. President Trump has committed, um, excuse me, President Trump has commuted the sentence of Roger Stone. Stone publicly lobbied for the pardon by his longtime friend. Was it a 
pardon, or, or did this sound like a vile threat that, you know, if you don't pardon me or let me go, I have things to say. Black on black crimes over the 4th of July weekend, there was an increase in shootings in four of the nation's biggest cities. Among the many victims of these hideous crimes were six children under the age of 10. You know, we just have no words for this. And in his own words, this morning we will hear the last words of George Floyd. The, military, the uh, Minneapolis Police Department released transcripts from two of the officers charged in the in his death. And I must warn you, this will be a difficult listen, but we will listen to it in its entirety. Because I think it's important for you to get the gist of exactly what this man was saying um, during his last moments here on Earth. But as always, I'm never share the stage by myself. Let me introduce you to some of the very best in the business. First up, she's my big sis. Um, she's retired. She watches CNN and MSNBC, so you don't have to. Let's say good morning to the very lovely Miss Vanessa Maybell. Good morning, Vanessa. How you doing? Good morning, sweet love. That is correct. I watch them so that they don't have to. And I report the news on Facebook. How's everybody doing this Sunday morning? <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here, and I'm pretty sure that uh, people are still watching, but just in case they missed it, they can always count on you for the recap. So thank you so much for being That's here. Right. appreciate you. Love you so much. The man who I call the educated brother himself, my little brother, the man who brings nothing but the noise and the business every Sunday right here on the serious side of the second morning to Mr. Johnny D. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, God is certainly good every day and always. Uh, I, I, I have to say I'm a little bit surprised. I was expecting to hear the eloquent voice of Dr. Williams, but uh, obviously she may be tied up this morning. But Miss Vanessa, good morning to you, Les, Jerome, and to those individuals who allow us to come into their homes each week. I certainly bring greetings to you all and to my big brother, Jay Ryle. Love you, love you, love you. Oh, man, words can't express it back at you, my friend. And the man who really runs everything around here, the man who gets the first and definitely the last word here on the serious side, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, sir. How are you doing on this beautiful Sunday morning? I am well, sir. Good morning to you. Good morning, Hulk, and mwah. Good morning, Nathan. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, morning. morning, Kathleen. And as Johnny D mentioned, Kathleen Williams is not here this morning. And our and our colleague, uh, who I call the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spree, usually joins us after his commitment with Clear Channel Radio. Uh, so, but until then, we hold it down. Chat room should be open. The number is three four seven eight five zero one two seventy. You can be a part of the conversation on this beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning. Hope you guys, you and your family, hope you guys are doing well and virus free. Without any further ado, let's get into the first topic of the morning. President Trump ignored questions as he returned to the White House Friday from Florida after commuting the sentence of his friend and former advisor, Roger Stone. I think Roger Stone was very unfairly treated, as were many people. The 67-year-old spoke to reporters outside his Fort Lauderdale home shortly after he got the news from the president in a call. He told me that he had decided to use... Uh, his extraordinary powers uh, of clemency 
to commute my sentence. Stone was due to report to prison next week to serve a 40-month sentence after being convicted in November on seven felony counts, which include witness tampering and lying to Congress. But if you look at a commutation, it simply reduces the sentence. CBS News legal analyst Ricky Kleeman. So whether or not he's guilty, or whether he knows he's guilty, or whether the president knows or believes he's guilty, that kind of still stays out there a little bit. Democrats accuse the president of abusing his power. There are two systems of justice now in America, one for uh, criminal friends of the president, uh, like Michael Flynn and now Roger Stone, uh, and one for everybody else. Uh, that was uh, Chairman Shift, and I don't think he could say it any better than uh, what, what I was thinking. So let's uh, start a conversation off with you, Mr. Elias. What do you think about this? Once again, uh, there's two different justice systems. There are justice systems for those who do not have the money and the financial abilities to bring in high-powered attorneys and do those types of things. Then there's a justice system uh, for the rich and powerful, and especially with this president in office. Your thoughts, please, on the fact that he let this man He's, he's basically he's not pardoning him, but you know, come on, he's he's convicted. Who gives a damn? He's not going to jail. What say you? Are you uh, is anybody at all surprised that this is what happened? I mean, I wasn't. I knew for a fact that this was going to, uh, you know, I was just wondering when and what, when and where, because you know he, not a, you know, nobody he's done. He's he's going to pardon everybody. All of, all of his friends. Because they hold stuff over his head, and if he if they don't hold stuff over his head, he's gonna pardon them anyway. It's like it, it's unbelievable that that we're 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 witnessing this, and that, that people are not appalled by it. He got convicted, and he was fairly convicted. He he lied to Congress. He witness tampering. He did the whole nine. And the bottom line has been proven. And what does what what does Trump do? Nope, he's not going to jail. Not. Mm-mm, not my friend. You're not going to send him to jail. Wow, wrong is wrong and right is right, man. And the bottom line is that he, this man should be going to jail. He's going to, and, and what kind of what kind of message does that send to anyone that you can you can commit crimes and then not go to jail? I mean, what kind of uh it's just, it's unbelievable, man. It is, uh, it is unreal. I'm just tired of. I'm tired. I'm my, my soul is just tired of this cat, man. I am sick of him. The bottom line. Uh, you know, Vanessa. I think you know, like Mr. Elliott said, no one was surprised by this move. But I, I, I'm going to beg to differ with that. I'm surprised because with all the heat that's coming down with this guy, for him just to blatantly says, you know what? I don't really give a damn, right? I am going to do what I want to do, and I don't care how it looks politically. I don't care, you know, what people feel about it. I am going to do it. And, you know, a lot of people are saying the reason why he's doing this is based on some comments that Roger Stone uh, said in public. Basically, during an interview, he said, listen, they tried to get me to turn, but I didn't. You know, I protected my guy. And so, in other words, this is how I read it anyway. Listen, I know some things that can get this guy in trouble. So, you know, you better do what you need to do to make sure that I don't have to sing because push come to shove, if it becomes between me and you, then I'm going to have to take the under and say I'm I'm not going to jail for anybody. 
And I really and truly think he sent him a subliminal message through the TV set, you know, the TV, the TV box that uh, Trump watches, and uh, said, "Hey, get me off, or or else." What say you in regards to him letting this man walk, which is unbelievable? <laughs> Roger Stone did the peace sign like Nixon and said, "Pardon me." It wasn't a thought or I'm going to assume what he said. He came right out, did the peace sign like Nixon, and asked Trump to pardon him. So I don't know why you're surprised, because I think that, I mean, look at what he did with Cohen. Cohen was came out and put him back in, and he back out again. All of Trump's crooked cronies who has dirt on him are going to be out of jail in their sentencing. This is what I don't like. You say that Flynn and Stone and the rest of them can't be in prison because of the coronavirus, the the C-19. So if they are old and can't be in prison because there's so much C-19, why are you sending the school children to school with C-19, but your friend can't be around people with C-19? I don't get that. So who's going to get well, all of them out? That's an excellent point, Vanessa. That's an excellent point. Wow, good for you. He's going to get all of them out. He's going to say they were mistreated. He's going to say it's C-19 in there and, they, and that they too old, they're going to die. He's going to use every excuse because guess what? If this president happens to lose this election, he wants his friends on his side. That's what he wants. He doesn't want them in prison where they're going to go back and write a book about him and tell all his business like it's me. He wants them on his side. I am not surprised that any of them are going to serve more than a month in jail. No, I'm just not shocked. Because it's all about him. It's all about him. He don't even care about the kids. Wow. You know, Johnny D, uh, obviously, you know, uh, this is in your neck of the woods. I mean, how do you, you know, being in law enforcement and, you know, um, treading on that side of the track, so to speak. How do you explain this to people who may come to you and say, look, what is going on in this country? You can just break the law and lie to Congress, just, you know, and get away with it. And the fact that you have elected officials who just sit by and idly and say nothing. They idly sit and watch this guy and say nothing. They had conniption fits over Benghazi, when they weren't telling the public the reason, one of the main reasons why you didn't have a lot of security there was because Republicans cut the budget for embassies, you know, worldwide. We've had that conversation on this show before, but they won't tell people that. They'll just say, Benghazi, Benghazi, Benghazi. The president wore a tan suit. He should be impeached. And they're not saying anything about this nonsense. What say you, man? You know, when you think about the current times in which we live uh, the the diminishing of the the highest office in the land is is what's at stake Uh, you know after this four years of degradation uh, to the office of the president uh, there has to be a, a rebuilding of trust and some healing that has to take place for those individuals who who move forward uh, you, you look back at the history of presidents and each one of them 
at least in, in, in my knowledge. And, and I go back to uh, really Jimmy Carter when I when I was handed out little pamphlets uh, as, as a seven or eight year old um, in the neighborhood, in the communities. Um, so I, I've been following it in, in that era. Now, of course, being born in the 60s, there were other presidents, but as far as having into, in any type of knowledge of that particular office, it goes back for me to, to, to the Jimmy Carter era. Um, and each one of them have pardoned individuals that would be somewhat questionable, but none of them have pardoned persons with the criminal predicate that this individual has. You know, you look at Joe Arpaio, uh, Scooter Libby, uh, Clint Lawrence, and, and, and Matthew Goldstein, who, who, who murdered uh, innocent uh, Islamic and Afghanistan citizens, uh, Eddie DeBartlow, and, and now Roger Stone, who makes a sure mockery of the criminal justice system. I mean, even posing in the, the Richard Nixon stands with the two fingers up. And this guy is... is I've never seen anything quite like this here. So it goes back really to, to what uh, Les and, and Miss Vanessa is saying. We are in unprecedented, uncharted times. And then you, you, you think what is ahead of him, certainly Paul Manafort and, and Michael Flynn and Richard Panetta and George Papadopoulos, uh, Rick Gates, some of the individuals who are currently uh, have been charged in the Mueller investigation, he's going to pardon them as well. So if if they have been allies to, to Donald Trump, it is shown that they will benefit from this and, and even profit because we still need to look at and, 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 and talk about this money trail with with this um, with, with the stimulus package uh, that's unaccounted for. Again, I, I've never seen anything quite like this here. And in the absence of anyone trying to intercede is even more alarming because clearly at this point in, in, in history and in this point in time that the Republican base has to understand that, okay, this guy is diminishing the liberties of every American citizen. You look at the local levels, that's why you have so many uh, radical mindsets even trying to be elected at the local levels because they look at this and it's okay if, if this guy can do it, then certainly we can do it to a small town or to a, a state or to a community. Yeah. And then Michael Cohen, you know, to think that last month he delayed Michael Cohen from being released on June the 1st. And it was later in the month when they finally released him from the federal prison. And yeah. part of his conditions of release was not to talk to the media. Now, this man has yeah. probably, just like all the rest of his cronies, got a book deal in place. So because he pursues that, now Donald Trump, being the spiteful, vindictive individual that he is, now this man is back in prison. Now, mind you, yeah. I, I I don't sit back and, 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 and sympathize or empathize with Michael Cohen because he, too, is a criminal as well. But because yeah. he testified against Donald Trump, this is where that retaliation is coming. And folks, even even if you support Donald Trump, there has to be some decency in you to sit back and say, you know what, at what point do you stop? Because yeah. he has been allowed to do so much to where there is no impediment for anybody else who holds that office to not take it to a different level. So this is bigger than yeah. You're right. right wing, left wing. This is bigger it, it, than it Republican is. and Democrat. 
This is about the, 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 the Constitution. This is about a way of life. This yeah. is about the dignity of the office, and this guy had right. none. None. You're absolutely correct. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Doctor Williams has checked in. She is here, and I want to go ahead and bring her in. Good morning, Kathleen. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Oh, good morning. Good morning. I'm doing. Well. I got a little bit of a cold, but I'm doing. Yeah, well. I can hear it. Good yeah. morning. Very, very good, Doc. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Well, a uh, few minutes left of the segment. Definitely want to make sure we get your comments on this. The president has. Uh, as uh, you know, obviously commuted the sentence of uh, of uh, Roger Stone. But here's my question for you, and you can add any comments on you know any of your own personal comments afterwards. But my question is: Is this is there a possibility that um, you know after this guy is voted out of office, do you think they can actually revisit this and you know hand justice down to this man that he so rightfully deserved? What say you in regards to that? You mean Stone? Stone, yes. Do you think that after yeah. this is over with, after this clown is voted out of office, do you think that they can come back and say, you know what, not so fast, buddy. The long, the, you know, the just, the arm of justice is long, and it will get you eventually. What say you? <laughs> I'm not you really think? sure. I I haven't looked at looked at all of uh, you know presidential pardons right. and exactly what that means and if they can be reversed and and if they got him on every. I, I don't think so, but if they got him on every charge that they needed to get Stone on. But the mm. thing about um, this guy in the White House, um, he really I, – I don't know if all of you saw this picture of uh, – of, it was a meme. And basically he's walking away from the presidency and everything behind him, the entire United States is like basically up in flames. Like it had mm-hmm. just been burned and, you know, crushed and crumbled everything. And he just walks away. It's like, yeah, I did my job, you know. And I really feel like that's who this guy is. He really could give a rat. I don't know if where's Mr. Elias. Is he going to be my uh, trans angry translator this morning? He well, don't, well, by all means, by all means, go ahead. I got. He you. don't give a rat. He don't give a whatever. He don't give a rat. He don't give a rat's ass, and he don't give Thank a you. damn about Good anybody. Boy. Thank you. Well. So, <laughs> <laughs> when he walks away, he wants to pull the whole thing down. So there won't yep. be anybody to be able to come behind him and clean up his mess because, you know, or he'll be able to say what he usually says. I created the greatest mess, the biggest mess, the most incredible mess anybody uh-huh. has ever created in yep. this world. And, and my thing with with, uh, with this president is I really felt, and, and I'm not convinced that he hasn't yet fully ignited it. You know, we see remnant, we see the makings of it right now. But this man really wants a civil war in the United States on 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 our own soil. And um, while we see bits and pieces of it here with um, white conservatives and white supremacists and whatever pulling up arms, you know, they yep. have got just pulled up arms. Against mm-hmm. black and Latino people, or you know any anybody else at this point, um, this is what he's moving towards. Why? 
because he is vilified. This man is evil. And and I don't know that people have really grasped grasped the fact the essence of the fact that this man is wicked and evil as is and I'm saying Jamaica, I'm wicked. He's wicked. And it really <laughs> is to it's to his core. And all he is really concerned about is him, his immediate family, not even his friends, because you could be friend today and foe tomorrow. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So um, I and if anything else, what he is doing is layering the uh, layering and putting together stacks of people who can come to his aid when it's his turn. When it's when he, when it's his turn, when everybody when he's out of office, and all of these states, whatever the states have the gumption to do it, I know New York is right in line uh, to bring charges against him. So he's got to be stacking the deck to see who's going to be. Uh, he got to have enough people on the outside to come get him out or try or whatever. So anyway, I I I rest. <laughs> Yeah, well, and that was what was the guy's name? Arthur, or what's the guy that the, the angry uh, Mr. Elias is that guy? The interpreter. Thank you so much, Miss Kathleen, Luther. for your comments. <laughs> yeah, Luther, Luther. There you go. He's Luther, and thank you, Luther, for uh, for the assist. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Now, um, in this week's edition of Informant is less something that you need to know. Uh, you know, if you remember a few years back when. Uh, Snyder, uh, the owner of the Redskins, said that he, there was no way on God's green earth that he would ever change the name of the Washington Redskins. Well, guess what? It's a brand new day, and maybe we are at the end of God's green earth because now they are seriously considering changing the name of the Washington Redskins. And so that's what we're going to talk about in this week's edition of In Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know. On the other side, we'll continue the conversation. Plus, the smartest man in the world has just arrived. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. For a long time, there have been calls for certain pro sports teams to change names that many view as racist. Change has been slow to come by, but there is now a renewed debate. Frank Morris with member station KCUR reports on what makes this moment different. Lots of Native Americans loathe the name of Washington's NFL team, the Redskins. Yeah, it's a dictionary defined racial slur. Stop. Crystal Echohawk, who heads the advocacy group Illuminative, says a 30-year stalemate with the team suddenly broke when Washington's corporate sponsors demanded a new name, and the team agreed to consider it. What changed was the murder of George Floyd, and it changed everything in this country. That includes customer preferences. Just this week, Walmart and Amazon joined others and stopped selling the team's merchandise. Mike Lewis, a marketing professor at Emory University, says the Washington team name now has become more of a burden than a benefit. And he says it's just the beginning. The Indians second, the Chiefs probably third, the Braves and the Blackhawks don't take a lot of heat for whatever reason. But at this point, I think all sorts of team names are now in play. The Cleveland Indians have launched a formal name review. That leaves primarily the Kansas City Chiefs, Atlanta Braves, and the Chicago Blackhawks hockey team. The three teams all claim to venerate Native Americans. Crystal Echohawk says the names, Braves, Blackhawks, and Chiefs, alone are not racial slurs, but they do carry heavy baggage. It's the imagery that gets associated with those names. It's the racist fan behavior when a fan paints their face red. That is blackface. 
blackface is wrong. We, I think most people in this country get that now. Then there's the tomahawk chop, where fans cleave the air while belting out a cartoonish war chant. It's a staple at Chiefs and Braves games, and many find it offensive. Well, a number of universities and high schools have dropped Native American names in recent years, pro teams haven't. For one thing, those names, brands, if you will, are very lucrative. Joe Favorito is a veteran sports marketing consultant who lectures at Columbia University. He says changing sports names is complex, but now it's smart. I think going forward, if you were a brand that wants to engage in a conversation with anybody below 35, cost marketing and social responsibility are first, second, or third when you're looking at return on investment. That was not the same four months ago. And while the tide may be turning, retiring legacy sports names can still be rough for fans. I'm a diehard Chiefs fan. I am a diehard Chiefs fan. Greg O'Neill is 62. He lights up talking about the Chiefs. He's followed them passionately his entire life. Bring up the idea of changing his team's name, and O'Neill slumps in his chair. He looks crestfallen. But he's also squarely against racist fan traditions. As a black man, the name should be changed. You know, I've looked at it like that. But, you know, I still be a a fan. I don't care who they name. They could be named anything. I still be a fan of my own team. The Kansas City Star editorial board is trying to spark a conversation over renaming the Chiefs. In Chicago, Dan Bernstein, midday host at Sports Radio 670, the score, says that for many fans, the Blackhawks' name is less of an issue than its logo. It's a cartoon face of an Indian. That's what it is. And there are many people who believe it's not okay. People aren't mascots. In Atlanta, the Braves say they're reviewing the Tomahawk Chop at games, but keeping the name, at least for now. Author Joe Pognanski, a lifelong Indians fan who writes for The Athletic, says until recently changing the name of his team, for him, was almost unthinkable. One day, it feels impossible, and the next day, it feels inevitable. And, and I think that's what is happening now. And it does feel like an inflection point with big-money corporate backers joining activists to demand change. For NPR News, I'm Frank Morris in Kansas City. Welcome back in. 347-850-1272. minutes after the hour, you're listening to the serious side of the J-Rod Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio. And it's best. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your Sunday morning to join us. We really and really and truly appreciate it. Here's the next topic that's on the agenda for the morning. Almost unimaginable gun violence erupted across the nation over the holiday weekend. Chicago, 70 injured, 17 killed, including a 7-year-old girl. New York City, 50 shot, 9 dead. This shocking video shows one victim being shot from a car as he walks hand-in-hand with his 6-year-old daughter. At least Six of the innocent people caught in the crossfire over the holiday were children, ranging in age from 6 to 14. You shot and killed a baby. Atlanta's mayor expressed outrage over the death of 8-year-old Sequoia Turner, who was killed in a shooting near the Wendy's where Rayshard Brooks died three weeks ago. You can't blame this on a police officer. You can't say that we, this is about criminal justice reform. This is about some people carrying some weapons who shot up a car with an eight-year-old baby in the car. The little girl's grieving mother was overcome with emotion. We've been doing it today. 
Here in New York City, the shooting spree comes as the mayor and city council members are cutting the budget of the police department by $1 billion. The move follows a nationwide cry to defund the police. You take a look at what's happened this weekend, the amount of shootings. Imagine if there weren't cops out there. President Trump tweeted, 67 people shot in Chicago. Shootings up significantly in NYC. Federal government ready, willing, and able to help if asked. So you look at the number of shootings over the weekends, over the Fourth uh, of July weekend, and the trend is disturbing. And so we talk about black on black crime. You know, here's the thing, and one of the things I love about what Keisha Bottom said, the mayor of Atlanta, she said this didn't have a damn thing to do with police. You folks out here shooting and killing each other. And the bottom line is we're supposed to unite. We have all these murals painted all over the countries and all over the, in different cities all over this country, Black Lives Matter. Well, God dang it, it's about time that we start honoring that. And when I looked at the video of a young man walking down the street with his six-year-old daughter, and you see this car pull up, and you see a 9-millimeter a nine out the window, and they shoot this man while he's walking with this young child. Uh, words can't explain what's going on here. Let's bring in the smartest word in the world, Mr. Jerome Esprit from EspritRadio.net and the man who brings us on a need-to-know basis uh, every week right here uh, on the serious side of the J.R.S. So good morning, Jerome. How you doing? I'm good, man. How you doing? Doing outstanding. Let's talk about this, man. Um, uh, we had 77 shootings in uh, Chicago uh, during the 4th of July weekend. Um Unfortunately, some young children were killed doing this. When is it about time for us to start looking at the mirror and saying, hey, we need to do something about this? This is ridiculous. People can't even walk the streets in their own neighborhoods because they're being shot and killed. What say you in regards to this? Where where do I begin? Like, you know, I always... You know, I always look at this stuff. You know, it's a kind of a false narrative, right? Like that we make the com- we make false comparisons. So yeah, this is a problem we need to deal with in the community. But but even for um, um, the mayor of Atlanta to say that this has nothing to do with police is a false narrative. It always lets the police off the hook. This is totally different than talking about um, you know by saying stuff like oh this proves that we need police because black people are killing each other. It is crazy, right? What we're talking about is something specific to the black community, and we need to deal with it as far as that's concerned, or we need to deal with the police. But they are not two same topics. And I always kind of really dislike um, even mentioning them both in the same breath, but I'm going to stop talking about them. But um, I have nothing for you other than that. We do need to do something um, different in the community, but you do have to remember that oppression and white supremacy, that stuff is contributing to behavior. So if we don't start to get people jobs and get them interacting with folks differently, the issues are always going to re- remain the same. You don't look at them isolated and then say, how come you guys are not acting better while you're in prison? The conditions out there are bad. So I can't tell you how to fix one thing without fixing the other one. So we can do pep talks, we can go talk to people individually and tell them they should act better, they should know better, they should get educated. But the truth is, is you're looking at it in a vacuum. We need to deal with a whole systemic problem of why we are um, looking at each other and treating each other in certain ways. Vanessa, uh, what say you in regards to this? Because 
We're talking babies. Babies were shot and killed. I'm, I'm so glad you came to me. I was about to come out this chair. Okay. Who's yours? I never... I, wait, wait. First of all, let me say, and I know I'm going to step on some toes, that I could... I do not care because I got into fights with people on my page about this very statement. I don't want to hear any more stuff about Black Lives Matter when people black are killing up black people. Look at that baby that's on my page that is three years old that got killed from flying bullets. Look at Travis Smiley's daughter here in Houston that got shot three times at a red light through the car. Ricky Smiley. Ricky Smiley. I'm sorry, Ricky Smiley. Ricky Smiley's daughter got shot? Well, I didn't know that. Three times in Houston, Jay, three bullets Mm. hit that girl through the car last weekend. And because you can't go into the hospital because of C-19, he was outside begging people at the sound of his voice to give him updates on his daughter. It was heartbreaking. I forgive me, y'all. Don't give a rat ass about all these protests and stuff when the mayor with her stupid self in Chicago is saying and I quote you know people need to be educated they need to have jobs why don't you call the military in Chicago just like Keisha and them did she at home sick with C-19 and they got the military coming into Atlanta why can't she call the military into Chicago and do something about all of these shootings this is ridiculous. She's being lazy. She's being trifling. She needs to put on some makeup. And I am just done with her. I don't want to see her on TV no more saying that people need jobs and they need this. You know what? There's a lot of people that don't have jobs. There's a lot of people that's on the streets doing whatever to make it. Prostituting, selling drugs, whatever. But they are not shooting up babies. They're not shooting through calls, trying to get to somebody else. This is, somebody on my page told me it was the white people that was teaching them, the black people, who's out there shooting. I, 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 look, look, let me say this. You can go over to Indiana or wherever and go buy a gun and not have licensing and all of that. And it's a white man selling them to you. But it is not a white man's finger that is on that trigger and pointing that gun. You can't blame all of this stuff on white people. You cannot. Because that's your trifling butt that don't have a job, that's out there trying to be in a gang, trying to do what the gang people are telling you what to do so that you can be in the gang. I don't want to hear it. I'm sick of seeing all these babies getting killed from flying bullets and in the bed sleep. You can't blame everything on white people. You can't. They got enough crap they doing to us, to us as it is. So you ain't got to add nothing to it to make it seem like it's them. Well, it is the white people that have something to do with that. And they need to help them to get jobs. You need to take your lazy butt and go to school, get a, a diploma, get a job. But no, black folks don't want to go out there and cut yards and stuff because that's not enough money. That's demeaning. Somebody's on my page to listen to the show because they messaging me. I am, y'all, I'm over it. I'm over it. And that mayor in Chicago, 
they need to, she needs to do something. They need to vote her ass. Oh, I'm sorry. They need to vote her out. Mm. They need to vote her out because I'm sick of hearing about, well, they can go over to Indiana and go get guns and bring them back over to Chicago. And Chicago people need jobs. They need education. They need this. They need to take their hands off the trigger. And she needs to call the armed forces to Chicago and start putting all of their trifling butts in jail with the C-19, and we're going to see how many of them start doing better. So anybody can comment whatever they want to comment to me. I could care less. As a mother... I think it is utterly ridiculous to blame it on white people when you're shooting down babies. I think it is utterly ridiculous to blame it on the economy. Please. Trifling ass children. Well, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Let me uh, actually, Mr. Elias, since I just heard your voice, man, what are your comments on this? You're right there, I naked totally in Chicago. I totally disagree with Vanessa because I, I live right here, and what Mayor Lightfoot is saying is correct. Have you looked at the schools in Chicago? They're subpar. They don't have adequate drinking water. And they don't have adequate teachers which are teaching these people. There is a systemic problem here that we're not even addressing and we're not even looking at. And I'm, I'm not blaming well, Let me, let me, ask, you, well, let me ask you a question before you go any further. Here, here's my question. I think this is where Vanessa's going. The, the, the question is, we, you know, listen, there's no doubt that there are problems out there. But when, you know, but come on, man. I mean, like she said, there are a lot of people out there who are unemployed, who are not taking up crime, shooting and killing people. Some people do it for fast money. We have, we, are we giving our people what? a pass by saying, well, these no, are the conditions in which they live. And, no, and so, I, you know, the bottom line pass. is. No, no. If you know okay. better, you do better. The bottom line is, okay. if you know better, you do better. The education system is called the dumbing down of America, Jay. They, where they don't but you and I went through that same education system, Mr. Elias. We're not shooting and no, killing people. We did not. No, we did yes, not. Yes, we did. No. It was no, worse. We did not. It was okay. not worse, Jay. It's okay. called the dumbing down of America, where they have taken. Okay. Where, how many? Were, were there 35 to 40 people in your classroom, Jay? So now, Les, what are you going to do? Send them back to Vanessa, let me so you can repeat them. Let me finish, let me finish Vanessa. Let me finish. Let me finish. What Mayor Lightfoot has done, because I live here, and I know what she's done. She goes out every night with the police, and she's out there in the streets with them. She's out there in there, and they, they are hiring more police to try and, and correct the problem. They have not let these police go off and take breaks during the holidays. There's no police off to, to have a vacation during the holidays because all of them got to be there in full force. What she is doing, I, I, I applaud her because until you and that woman's shoes, Vanessa, I wouldn't say that. I'm telling you, Chicago is a different area. It's a different so world why over there. Because the gangs, what the gangs do is they recruit these young brothers and these young sisters into their gang. Because there's no parents there to take care of the children. So what they do is they, they recruit them in at a young age, and this is all these children know. So if you increase the education system, if you put a better school system in, what do you if I, 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 I think everybody should go look at Saving Superman. It tells you how bad the education system is in the ghetto. It tells you how bad it is. Because these people are fighting to get their children out of the ghetto 
because the schools are subpar. It's just a proven fact that if you put a, a white person and a black person in the same school system, they both do better. So until we address that problem, I'm not going to say that. I'm, I'm not giving anybody a pass. No one a pass, but the bottom line is you've got to address the root of the problem. The education system has been subpar for years. I, I, I pray to God that you, go, you guys go out and watch Saving Superman, and you would see how bad it is. You would see how bad that is. you didn't answer Superman. my question. You didn't answer my question. Well, right, hold on, let me, let, me, let, me jump in. Let, let me jump in real quick because I'm going to give everybody, you know, we have limited time. I'm going to give everybody an opportunity to, to uh, make, you know, make a comment on this. Let me, let me swing around to you, uh, Kathleen. Um, pretty sure you have a lot to say after hearing this back and forth. What say you? Uh, you know, excuse me. I um, I agree a hundred percent with Mr. Elliot and with Jerome, and I really feel I'm just so sad and disappointed that um, as a people we allow the media to guide our conversations such that we completely dispel, or the intent is. For us to completely dispel all of the advances that were made just weeks ago with masses of protests around the world for Black Lives Matter. And it, it, it's so, I think, that it's just so important that we can maintain a, a sense of um, steadiness, regardless of what has happened in the world. To not go too high or too low or to swing too far left or too far right. Just on this very show, last week, the week before, we ourselves said the window for change for black people in this country is it, it will be open for 10 minutes at best. And we better charge through that window and get every single thing that we can get to change in this country to do it right now because the window will not be open long. So what do we so I don't know what we thought that meant, but part of what it means is that there will be issues that arise and the minute that they do, they will bring it back and try and call black people savages and say that black lives don't matter. You, your, your lives don't matter even to you. And that's basically what people are saying when they say, I don't care about black lives matter if you don't care. You know, I'm not trying to direct this specifically towards Vanessa. I'm talking about anybody who is saying this, that if you don't care about your lives, then why should we care about your lives? Because that's essentially what the media theme is offering us. If we were outraged, weeks ago and were in line and lockstep with the Black Lives Matter movement, there should have been nothing to shift us from that today. I don't care about the fact, I care about the fact that we had all that violence and the loss of life. But if you want to go back and look at the statistics for Chicago over the last three years, we have had massive deaths, massive all kinds of uh, shootings and gangs yep. and horrific activity happening in the black community in Chicago. It's been a major issue of concern 
for all of the people that are working on the ground in Chicago. So the fact that that happens matter now does not negate or nor mitigate the Black Lives Matter movement and the fact that we need to continue to press, all of us united, press forward in what the, the situation is at hand. And the situation at hand is that black people in America are and have been oppressed for years. And if those same children or the same people that were shooting up in around the country, if they had generations upon generations of doctors and lawyers and, um, and uh, professionals and CEOs of five, Fortune 500 companies, if they were those children, they would not be in that situation there. If, they had, if the Black Wall Street had been destroyed and maybe they were descendants of that and had their own stores and so forth, they wouldn't be in that situation. If they had an educational system where they were able to overcome the generations of racism and genocide in their families, they wouldn't be there. If you know, so we have to look at it and say, of course it matters. Of course it all matters. So I'm just encouraging everyone. I know that you're horrified at the death and the killing. I am as well. Who would want to see a man walking with his daughter be shot down? Nobody does. But that doesn't mean that we can't continue with our passion and our fervor and our focus on Black Lives Matter. Well, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. All right, Johnny D. Man, we have about uh, five minutes before we have to get out of here. I hate to kind of limit you here, sir, but I want to get your comments on this, man, and uh, give you the, the last word on this segment. Well, I, I will tell you this right here. Uh, everyone has valid points. Uh, I've, I've never been one to excuse the behaviors of, of, of our people. But I, I will say this here, in, in all fairness, if, if you think about the imagery of, of, in which we have had to, to view ourselves in, you had an era where we had to look at ourselves from slavery up, not the kings and the queens that we were in, in, in a different time, in a different place. And then you had the Jim Crow era where you had to look at yourself as a buffoon and a clown. And then you had the 1970s that ushered in this black exploitation of, of superfly and gangsters. And then, of course, the 80s brought in, the, the, the as, as we call them now, the current games, the Bloods, the Crips, uh, the, the, the Vice Lords, the GDs. So people saw themselves in the images. And then, of course, the one group of individuals within our community that seemingly was had a, a clear path to success would have been the black female. And now you usher in the real housewives of, 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 of whomever, and you see the debauchery and how our females act. So I think that the imagery plays into effect. But that doesn't excuse the fact that we've been knowing this for 460-some years, so at some point we have to change the way that we do things and be responsible for our actions. Now, having said that right there, I listened to the comments of, 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 of this, this reprobate uh, who made the comment about sending in the National Guard in these cities, in these, in, 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 in these um, urban cities. We, we all know that uh, the FBI reported years ago, and they continue to report that between 17 and 29, 
black males are highly incarcerated, also the individuals who are committing the crimes and killing one another. But we also understand that generally they're going to be single and they're going to be in low-income areas and they're going to be urban. So that right there seemingly is the profile. And when you look at the city that was plagued with those shootings uh, on the, the weekend of the 4th of July, it all fits that mold. Now, Jay, let's exercise this here. Let's take five, okay? Let's take five. And if I'm allowed to, let's go back to what comments this reprobate, this criminal that's posing as the president has indicated about the National Guard and taking back the streets and bringing U.S. troops in to face the citizens of the United States, those who you swore to protect. And let's talk about what he hasn't done in this Russian probe where Russia every day is proving more and more that Russians were playing the Taliban in the Afghanistan soldiers to kill American troops. That has basically fallen off the radar. So we got to keep that forever pressing because you have a person who says we're going to take back the streets in these urban cities and in our communities, but yet will not will not even acknowledge the fact of Russia still playing an intricate role in the demise of U.S. soldiers. So I want to take five and we can exercise that right there because everybody's concerns are passionate, is deep-rooted, and we know systemically there is a problem with the education system, economic, but then also our imagery. How do we see one another? But again, if we can take a few minutes, and, and Jay, maybe you comment on somebody, but we can't let this go with, 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 with Russia, okay? We can't let this go because that's clearly what this individual is trying to do is not deal with the fact that he's allowing American troops to be killed and bounty by Russians, and he has not said a word about it. Well, you know, he initiated Take 5. Take 5 is definitely something that we can do. We have we got to take three because we're coming up on the top of the hour. But, look, let me I'll respond to that real quick. Uh, the bottom line is, is this, is that, um, you know, once again, the Republicans and, and, and the way they grab flags and run around talking about Apple Pie Chevrolet and we're red-blooded Americans. I remember a long time ago the chant, the chants were, you know, we can't stand commies. You have a president who not only is, in my opinion, an affiliate of the Russian government, he doesn't hide it. And for these same people who are running around here with their, you know, guns and flags and all these different things, for them not to be appalled, we're talking about American soldiers, American soldiers who were targeted to be killed uh, by Russians, and they paid a bounty for this guy not to have said nothing until this. He hasn't said anything about it. And Republicans hadn't said a damn thing either. It is, it is just one of the most despicable things, in my opinion, uh, that uh, one of the most despicable things I've ever seen, heard. If you'd have told me 10 years ago I'd be living through these times, I'd called you a liar. It would be really upset that you would even insinuate that uh, our country would take this turn. But it's being played out uh, right in front of us. And... Um, you know, what What can you do? I, I mean, what can you say and do when you look at what's going on here in this country? I, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm at a loss for words because I never, ever, ever thought that we would be at this place. And the fact that public officials are standing by idly watching this man destroy this country from within is something that, uh, you know, it'll be in history books. 
I promise you that. All right, we're going to step out and take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rowell Show. Being an African-American is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful blessing. You have come from great people, but it's also a hard thing. In America, because of your skin color, as a black boy and as a black man, we are going to be dealing with a lot of danger. Under no circumstance are you to talk to the police if you're arrested until I get there. Do what they say. Don't get into any arguments. Make sure your hands are out of your pockets so they can see. These are the questions you can ask. This is who to call. This is this is what happens if this bad thing. thing it's not like, please, master, don't whip me. No, it's like, excuse me, sir, what is your badge number? I'm going to film this. If you want police brutality to stop, if you want police to treat you like a human being, then you, you have to see yourself as a human being. You have every right in this world that anyone else does. What I love about you as my son is I remember when we thought about having you and you know knowing that we wanted you and watching you grow. You are the Muhammad Ali, you are the Malcolm X, you are the Martin Luther King. You are an amazing young man and the future is yours. And I will do my best to make sure you're safe. I love you. This message is dedicated to family members who have lost unarmed sons and daughters to the police. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network.
getting some breaking news right here, and I'll share it with everybody. I was just handed this. NBC News has now confirmed that President Trump has called Roger Stone and told him that he will commute his sentence. Now, Roger Stone had been scheduled to begin uh, serving a prison term next week. He had been seeking to have that delayed until September, but it had been scheduled to begin next week. Uh, Stone had been convicted a little over a year ago, almost a year and a half ago, I should say, on seven counts of obstruction, witness tampering, and making false statements to Congress. You can't blame this on a police officer. You can't say that we, this is about criminal justice reform. This is about the people carrying some weapons who shot up a car with an eight-year-old baby in the car. Welcome back in 347 is the call at number 347 Welcome back into the serious side. And it's time to say good morning to our panelists. Let's say good morning to the very lovely Miss Vanessa May Bellis from the Good morning, Vanessa. How are you doing? Good morning. Miss Kathleen Williams is in the house. Good morning, Kathleen. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Good morning, everybody. How are you all? Thank you so much. Johnny D in the place to be. Good morning, John. How you doing, man? Good morning. I'm blessed and glad to be here. Smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spree is in the house. Good morning, Jerome. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. How you doing? Doing outstanding. And, of course, Mr. L.E.S. is here. Good morning, Mr. L.E.S. How are you? Good morning, sir. Good morning, Jerome. Good morning, Hawk. Good morning, so Good morning, Vanessa. And man, oh, you I, got it. I, I just gave you one. Did you hear me? She said, "Do I still get a kiss?" That's what she said. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, uh, and Mariana Music, that was nothing to something from Avery Sunshine. Appreciate it, Mr. Elias. Can we say hello to the people in the chat room? We have two in there, Jay. Only two this morning. That's Covina, man. And um, Easy Riders racist ass. Easy man. Yeah, okay. Have a lot of people who have chimed in on the second set, so I'm just going to say good morning to everyone that's listening, and I'm going to try to read as many comments as I can during the uh, chatterbox section of the show. All right, third and final set is here, and, and I have to admit I made a mistake here. I wanted to. We're going to start the conversation off, but before we close this set out, you are going to hear the last words. Uh, 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 from George uh, Floyd. You're going to hear him. You're going to hear him in its entirety. Matter of fact, uh, Lawrence O'Donnell did a segment on it. I'm going to play it. I thought I had it loaded in. I'm going to get it in here because I need you to hear the final words of George Floyd. Uh, They released the transcripts from two of the officers' body cams. And when you hear this, it's just going to uh, shake you to your core. So in the meantime, while I get this prepared. Let's get the conversation started. And um, let me start this off with you, Kathleen. You know, they did release the transcripts of uh, George Floyd. And I think he said, I can't breathe. I don't know. Anywhere between 15 to 20 times. It's amazing to listen to this transcript and to watch this. And when you go back, and when you go back and look at the profound change, did you think in your wildest dreams, that the death of another black man would set off what we're seeing. Because we can argue whether or not, you know, change is going to come and, you know, there's systemic racism, there's no doubt. But we also have to admit, 
that we're seeing things now that I didn't think was going to happen. You know, we heard earlier in the, earlier this morning during the uh, in four minutes or less segment. You know, the Redskins are going to change their names. I mean, this was unheard of a few years ago. We see that Black Lives Lives Matter murals all over the all over the country, including the one that was just put on Fifth Avenue in front of Trump Tower. I mean, when he was killed, and be honest with us, did you think that this you would see the type of changes that we're seeing now? Um, of course I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I am always honest with you. Even if I'm wrong about it, I'm always honest. Um, I believe <laughs> that... Um, I'll tell you I'll, I'll tell you what is really in my heart when you ask me that question. Um, what I believed in my natural body really doesn't matter. What I know for a fact in my spiritual mind and in my life as a Christian woman of faith is that we are, we are, all of us, walking this earth by the grace of God and by the sake of every single black person and African person who walked this land before us. And we are a praying people. And we have been praying for justice and righteousness and the lifting of oppression for many, many years. And that includes the Native man here in, this, in the, these Americas. And I know also that there is also always a judgment day. And Malcolm X, not far from Fifth Avenue, has said the very same thing many years ago. So a lot of times we think of immediate gratification, right? So when Malcolm said the chickens are coming home to roost, we said, okay, well, if they don't come home to roost tomorrow, I guess they ain't coming home. Maybe Malcolm was wrong. But little did we know <clears throat> that it would be on the heels of the life of George Floyd that those chickens would, that those, those eggs, would, eggs would start hatching. Those, those chickens would be coming home to roost. So <clears throat> what I'm offering to all of us is first of all, don't stop praying <clears throat> because I think that there were probably a whole lot of slaves that didn't think that, um, you know, June would come in their lifetime and it did. So we can't really turn this whole movement. We give, give God thanks for George Floyd's sacrifice being the sacrificial lamb in this particular instance, right? That it was uh, after his life that these things began to happen. But this has been for years. And the Washington Redskins, they, excuse me, I don't even want to call them that, the Washington team, they should actually really be in things that we're seeing now. What say you in regards to this? 
I wouldn't have ever thought that I would see um, the changes and the white people that are out in this movement as many as there are African Americans out in this movement. I have been just shocked um, that this would happen, but I also believe that all of it was God's will for it to happen like this, that everybody would be at home uh, to be able to see this play out on TV while it was going on. I believe all of this was in God's plan at this time for this to come to. I do believe, as Al Sharpton said, was talking about it this morning uh, with the Black Lives Matter movement. Now is the time. Ms. Kathleen just said it. Al Sharpton said it this morning. Everything that we're going to get done, we need to get it done now while the time is right to be able to get it done. But even as all Al Sharpton said this morning on his show, now is also the time for black people to step back and say, how important are the black lives when they're been being taken in large numbers and has been for years and years and years when flight attendants couldn't even walk to their crash pads and they were getting rubbed and mugged. Um, so, no, I would not have thought that it would have been this big of a change, this big of a movement all over the world. And I would say it's just as many white people out as it is black people. So, no, I'm shocked. But I am still holding steadfast that there's got to be a change among us as well. All right. Uh, now, Jerome, I know that... Uh we'll never get to where we need to be when it comes to some of this stuff. At least I don't think I'm going to see it during my lifetime. You know, I'm often reminded. I'm not going to say I'm reminded. I remember, and, I, and we've brought this up on the show a few times, Ms. Daly, as how when we were sitting in auto shop class as juniors in high school, our uh, shop teacher, what did he say to us uh, during during one of the discussions that we were having? Mm-hmm. And we would never see a black president. Yeah. And, and you know, and when he said that, those words – has those words resonated with me ever since then, Mr. Guzman? That was, that was, that's what his name. That's what his name was at yep. that time. Well, that's his name. Period. Yeah. Said we would never see a black president. So, Jerome, let me once again for you. I know we're not where we should be, but are you even surprised slightly by some of the changes that you're seeing in result in regards to, you know, uh, some of the depo- some some police departments changing their policies? In lieu of the uh, death of George Floyd, are you even a bit surprised? Or do you say, hey, look, we're still short of where we need to be, which we all agree to that, but do you, but do you think we've made some, uh, some inroads here? Well, you know, I, I, don't know um, I don't know where we are. You know, I think we it's like wrong. to jump the Say it again? Wow. No, I was yeah, like, wow. I, I don't okay. know where we are. We don't, like, I, we like to end stuff so doggone quickly. Like, okay, we're done. Y'all need to stop protesting. We're done. Like, everything has to have this really nice little timeline. But I'm going to tell you this, this, that corporate is moving very differently because they realize how their money is moving. So I think that because of the pandemic and when this whole um, – and George uh, Floyd getting killed, I think it was, it's a perfect storm to focus. So with so much focus on it, because you can't watch TV, there's no sports to distract you, there is nothing – that everybody kept getting this dosage of what's going on, and it let white America, to some degree, again, look at themselves in the face. 
and I, I've been making this, I don't know if I've done this on this show or not, but I kind of make it an equivalent to a vampire, right? You know, that whole thing that the vampire can't see his reflection. I think when they kept showing the policeman looking right in the camera, like, not concerned, killing somebody black, I think white folks saw themselves in that and was like, okay, that's not who we are. I think, I think it, it put a mirror in there because every other time it's like, oh, it's his word, it's his, look what they're doing in Chicago. We start getting distracted. We get distracted very easily. That's why I did not like the last segment at all because I think there's too much to refute here. And when we cannot stay focused, we need to understand that your leadership has to, right? So as leaders, we don't do that. Like, we won't parse words and then try to mix everything and lump it together and blame black people for stuff that white folks do or blame white folks for stuff black people do. Don't do that. We have to stay focused. And so anytime we have issues like this or something that happens, we like to mix them all together and have this nice, clean, where do we go from here? We're not even we're not even moved yet, right? So I would look on social media and people are like, why are they removing Aunt Jemima or Uncle Ben's? And they don't realize that all of those images are contributing to the impression psychologically and social in, in a, a sociological way of young kids. And so when white folks grow up in environments that is oppressive, or, or, or they get to see their privilege and don't know what privilege is, they start acting up and going in front of people's houses and saying, I didn't know you lived here. I, I don't know you one of my neighbors. Like, who are you? They don't know. That's old. That's old from that whole redlining stuff that they used to do back in the days that we don't want no black people here. They don't know that they're reenacting that. So when we start hearing stuff, you know, I disagree with Reverend Sharpton. As much respect as I have for him, you cannot keep mixing this stuff. Yeah, black people, we need to do some things in the community, but you think we haven't? I worked for years with a friend of mine who, who had an organization to re- reduce juvenile gun violence. I've, seen, I've been a part and seen work that we do on our own selves. But anytime something happens, we like to revert back to it's us, it's our responsibility, it's how we're handling it, and we don't understand that there is a bigger picture. Nothing changes unless it all changes. And so once corporate starts changing, once your housing discrimination starts changing, once your employment stuff starts changing, the attitudes on the ground will change. But you can't ask people to change and you do no work to change their environment. So, yes, it is, it's still too early for me to even know where we are. I don't even know what we're talking about. Interesting. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Now, before I get Johnny D's remarks and uh, Mr. Elias's uh, remarks, I, I want to play this. Uh, I want to play the transcript, uh, this segment from uh, from uh, Lord Loris O'Donnell's show. Now, it's a long listen. It's about seven minutes, but I want you to hear it. And then we're going to give those guys an opportunity to comment on the other side of this. But here's Loris O'Donnell reading the transcript, and these were the transcripts. The actual last words of George Floyd. Let's listen, and we'll talk on the other side. 17-year-old Darnella Frazier recorded the last minutes of George Floyd's life on a video that led to the arrest of the four police officers who are now charged with the murder of George Floyd. We now know that George Floyd said, I can't breathe more than 20 times as he struggled for air under a police knee in the last minutes of his life. That new count of how many times he said, I can't breathe, comes from the transcripts of the police body cameras of two of the police officers who were holding George Floyd down, Officer Thomas Lane and Officer Alexander King. These transcripts 
were made public in court filings today in Minneapolis. We do not have the transcript of the body cam of Officer Derek Chauvin, who kept his knee on George Floyd's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. That knee was on George Floyd's neck long after all of the witnesses present could tell that George Floyd had stopped breathing. The very first thing George Floyd says in the transcript of Officer Lane's body camera recording is, hey man, I'm sorry. The next thing George Floyd says is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. George Floyd's language is always polite. The transcript is filled with George Floyd saying sorry and please. The police officer's language begins very aggressively with those lines that they all learned in cop movies. Officer Lane, put your effing hands up right now. Keep your effing hands on the wheel. To which George Floyd says, yes, sir. I'm sorry, officer. George Floyd continues to apologize. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. God dang, man. Man, I got, I got shot the same way, Mr. Officer, before. I'm so sorry, Mr. Officer. Dang, man, last time I got shot like that, Mr. Officer. It was the same thing. It's not completely clear if George Floyd was saying he had once been shot by a police officer or if he possibly had been shot by someone else when he was approached while sitting in a car. George Floyd says, please don't shoot me, Mr. Officer. Please don't shoot me, man. Please, can you not shoot me, man? I'm sorry, Mr. Officer. I'll get on my knees, whatever. When Officer King says, you're acting a little erratic, George Floyd says, I'm scared, man. George Floyd says, I'll do anything, I'll do anything. You all tell me, anything you all tell me to do. I'm not resisting, man, I'm not, I'm not. Mr. Officer, Mr. Officer, I'm not that kind of guy. Please, I'm not that kind of guy. Mr. Officer, please. George Floyd was afraid of getting in the police car and the transcript seems to reveal why. George Floyd, y'all, I'm going to die in here. I'm going to die, man. Officer King, you need to take a seat right now. George Floyd, I just had COVID, man. I don't want to go back to that. George Floyd's autopsy showed that he had COVID-19 six weeks before he was killed. He seemed to be afraid that going in a police car and being taken to a jail would give the coronavirus another chance to kill him. George Floyd says, I'm not trying to win. I'll get on the ground, anything. I'm not a bad guy, man. Officer Lane says, get him on the ground. George Floyd says, let go of me, man. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Please, man, please listen to me. Please listen to me. Officer Tao, just lay him on the ground. George Floyd, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Officer Lane, Jesus Christ. George Floyd, I can't breathe. Officer Lane, thank you. George Floyd, I can't breathe. Officer King, stop moving. George Floyd, mama, 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 mama. Officer King, inaudible. George Floyd, mama, mama, mama. Mama, mama, mama. Officer Chauvin, you're under arrest, guy. George Floyd, all right, all right. Oh, my God, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. Officer Chauvin, so you're going to jail. Officer Lane, affirm. George Floyd, I can't believe this, man. Mom, I love you. I love you. Officer Lane, inaudible. George Floyd, tell my kids I love them. I'm dead. George Floyd, I can't breathe or nothing, man. This, this cold-blooded man, 
Uh, he then screams. Officer Chauvin says, you're doing a lot of talking, man. George Floyd, mama, I love you. I can't do nothing. Officer King, EMS is on their way. George Floyd, my face is gone. I can't breathe, man. Please, please let me stand. Please, man, I can't breathe. George Floyd, my face is getting it bad. Officer Lane, here, should we get his legs up or is this good? Officer Chauvin, leave him. Officer King, just leave him. Yep. Officer Chauvin, just leave him. George Floyd, please, man. Officer Tao, relax. George Floyd, I can't breathe. Officer King, you're fine. You're talking fine. Officer Lane, you're talking. Deep breath. George Floyd, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Uh, I'll probably just die this way. I won't do nothing to hurt you, Mr. Officer. Officer Tao, relax. George Floyd, I can't breathe. My face, I can't breathe. Please, I can't breathe. George Floyd, my stomach hurts. My neck hurts. Everything hurts. I need some water or something. Please, please. I can't breathe, officer. Officer Chauvin, then stop talking. Stop yelling. George Floyd, you're going to kill me, man. Officer Chauvin, then stop talking. Stop yelling. It takes a heck of a lot of oxygen to talk. George Floyd, come on, man. Oh, oh, I cannot breathe. I cannot breathe. Uh, they'll kill me. They'll kill me. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Oh, and then George Floyd says, ah, please, please, please. And he never spoke again. The last word that George Floyd said was please. As George Floyd remained motionless and apparently not breathing, spectators who had been yelling at the police officers for several minutes to stop what they were doing to George Floyd started to yell even more. And one spectator who could see how dangerous the police treatment of George Floyd was kept yelling at them to check George Floyd's pulse. He kept telling the police officers that George Floyd was not resisting and that he was no longer responsive. And with George Floyd motionless and silent for almost two minutes, that spectator then yelled at Officer Chauvin, who still had his knee on George Floyd's neck. And that spectator said, he's not even breathing right now, bro. You think that's cool. You think that's cool, right? Officer Chauvin then checked how the other police officers were doing. Officer Chauvin, you guys all right, though? Officer Lane, yeah. I mean, my knee might be a little scratched, but I'll survive. If you watched the, uh, that segment live, uh, Lawrence O'Donnell became choked up and he had to take a break because uh, after he read that the officer who killed George Floyd, instead of checking on George Floyd to make sure he was okay, he asked his fellow officers where they find him. And the guy says, well, my knee is a little scratched, but I'll survive. <laughs> Johnny D., uh, let me give you... Uh, the opportunity to talk on this. We're going to go a little over because I want to get your comment in, Ms. Elias. And I think I've got Kathleen. If not, I want to give her an opportunity to respond as well. Go ahead, uh, Johnny. Your thoughts? You know, Jay, uh, I, to to hear those words uh, being uttered on the news is not as impactful as it was having the chance to read them uh, myself. Um, and, and I've said from, from the onset, when, when a man cries out for his mother, that's a level of 
anxiety, a level of, of suffering that no one can imagine unless you've been one who have had to utter those words. Um, but it just goes to show that God will utilize the, the least of us in order to serve his purpose. And the death of George Floyd has clearly resonated society. And when I say that, I'm talking about in America and abroad. Um, I do think that this, that the changes that we see, although marginal, are some that we can continuously applaud in regards to the fact that something is being done. We just have to make sure that that it is continuously carried out and it's fulfilled. Uh, so I, I, I will be brief in my commentary because I, I really would like to listen to what some of the, the, the listeners have indicated. So I'll be brief in my comments at the end there. Okay. Appreciate it. Now, Catherine, I'm not sure if I got your comments on this segment yet. Have I? I'm sorry. It's just been a fast-moving morning. If I haven't, go ahead, ma'am. The floor is yours. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, we. that's right. Yeah, I think you were fading uh, on us. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you for playing this and um, also relaying the uh, emotions of the reporter, the journalist, Lawrence O'Donnell. I watched this on his show, and um, I was as choked up then as I am now. Uh, and, you know, we thought we were horrified when we looked at that man's face in all of the pictures that came forward. And, you know, I, I uh, just want to honor Jerome for always reminding us of the, the visual of that and how the gentleman was just looking up at the cameras and like obviously in no distress the officer, the police officer Lane who had his knee on his neck and um, we're always reminded of that visual but when we hear how he begged for his life you play a clip a little earlier in the show that talks about you know that, 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 that lets us hear parents speaking to our sons and telling them to do exactly what George Floyd did. Don't resist. Be polite. Do what the officers say. If we're going to fight with them, we'll do it in court. Just make sure you come home alive. And when we listen to that, we recognize that even in all of doing just exactly what we tell our children to do, There is the possibility, because of systemic racism, oppression, and police brutality, that we that that our lives don't matter in their eyes. So thank you for playing that again, because and and thank you for playing it again on this show and after the last segment, because if this if this doesn't shift us from the the thought that we should dismiss our focus because of the fact that black people are killing each other, that segment right there should do it. So thank you for that. And I, I, you know, and I... I, I, Well, well, 347-850-1272. Celia's 
As always, sir, you get the last segment. I mean, you get the last don't, word, my brother. I don't, I don't uh, get a word on this? Well, I, I thought you started to set off, uh, Jerome. You want to comment on this? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I do. I do. You know, uh, um, okay. first of all, pl- playing that clip, um, I don't know who I don't know who the clip was for generally because you know I know I watched Lawrence O'Down and all that stuff too. Again, as trauma goes in our community, we know plenty of stories of police killing folks, and we need. To, I know sometimes you need to make it personal, um, but it does not have to be so abstract to everybody to know that we are being brutalized. And stop asking black people to comply because black people always comply. And I think that clip kind of highlights that. Like, right. you know, now everybody gets to feel some kind of emotion and feel like now he wasn't a bad guy. But I feel like, mm. why did you think he was a bad guy? Why the hell did we have to mm. go through and hear a clip like that? Because it's unnerving and disturbing to all of us, right? Yeah. So even if you remove your emotions from all of this, you have to remember this stuff is going on. Yeah. That's why police, by default, and I know we have this big hero worship of police, they don't go through psychological yep. tests like that to become police officers. They don't go through no ethic and moral tests to become police officers. We should not be holding up hell. We can't even hold priests to no standard moral test now. So we go through with this whole thing that we have to give them the benefit of the doubt, and you can't even give somebody begging for their life the benefit of the doubt to say, just get up off me. So this mm. makes me more angrier than anything else just by listening to that clip because it shows yep. that I, I have – shown restraint and patience every time we talk about stuff like this and even though I am talking about it from a leadership perspective on how to look at a bigger picture, I am telling you right now that we need to respect the fact that things don't need to change they're going to change, whether you like it or not, Mm. they're going to change because those of us who are focused are focused and we don't need that stuff just just to reiterate it, it's for you people who keep thinking of this metaphorically like Something could happen, and people got hard jobs, and you don't know that he could have feared for his life. That is bull. We need to stay focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Elias, man, close it up. Hey, man, I, that it's 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 disheartening, man. I mean, that that was just cold-blooded murder. Let's call it what it is, man. That was cold-blooded murder. Well, they 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 they, they didn't give it. Damn about this man's life. They said, "Well, how, how are you doing, down there, officer? I see you killed this man, and his body is laying there lifeless. How you doing down there? You all right, man? We just killed this. We just killed this this, this, this guy here. But how, y'all, y'all okay? You all right? All right. Yeah, I, my my knee is a little scuffed up, but I, I'll I'll live. Just disheartening, cold blooded. And they they said that this man, you know, he struggled. He struggled." With them, what what liars they are, man! That's what the police do. They lie constantly. They, you know, a lot of the police are just like Donald Trump. All they do is lie, man. They they consider that smart police tactics. No, man, just be honest with with people. You killed this man in cold blood. You killed him, and and then you got some people say, well, he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have uh, he should have complied. Seems like he complied to me. I don't know about you, but Damn, according to the, the policeman's body cam footage, he complied and he still died. So now what? What are you going to say now, white folks that says he should have complied? What are you, or, or the black folks or the coons that said he should have complied? Or K 
Candace Owens, whose coon ass is saying uh, he was a bad fella. I knew, I knew first and foremost they were going to assassinate George Floyd's character because that's what they do. They did the same thing to Mike Brown. That's what they do. They assassinate your character and they did the same thing to Trayvon Martin. They, this is what they do. They, they go after the character assassination. So, you know, it, it just gets disheartening to deal with that, man. And as, and as a black man in America, I know white folks will never understand it because they, they don't have to walk in my shoes. But this, this one, this one, this one uh, sociologist asked a group of white folks, how many of you guys would switch folks would switch, would switch places with a black black folks for one day, and not one white folk raised their hand. That means they know what's going on with us. They won't. Well, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. All right, folks, we're going to step out, and take a break on the other side, man. Chatterbox, man. Wow, a lot of comments. I'm trying to find. I'm going to only read. Well, one, two. I'm going to read four outside of our usual people. So I'm going to read four comments. So I'll try to find four. That's uh, a lot of them. Wow, a lot of comments. All right, we'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. Support for NPR and the following message come from DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo believes getting privacy online should be simple. With one download, you can search and browse privately, avoiding trackers. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Iranian investigators have released a report on the downing of a Ukrainian jetliner in January. They're blaming a misaligned missile battery and miscommunication for the shootdown that killed 176 people. It happened hours after Iran carried out missile strikes targeting U.S. soldiers in Iraq. Those strikes were in retaliation for the killing of top Revolutionary Guard Commander Qasem Soleimani in a U.S. drone attack. India is reporting another record spike in coronavirus cases. NPR's Lauren Freyer reports among those newly infected is one of the country's most famous Bollywood film stars. The legendary Indian actor Amitabh Bachchan, who is 77 years old, has tested positive for COVID-19. So has his son. They announced it on Twitter. They've both been hospitalized with only mild symptoms. Meanwhile, scores of municipal workers are busy disinfecting the outside of Bachchan's mansion in Mumbai, where fans often gather by the hundreds for a glimpse of him. India has recorded more than 28,600 new infections in the past 24 hours, a new daily record. A nationwide lockdown was lifted in early June, but individual states and cities are now reimposing restrictions. The latest to do so is the southern tech hub of Bengaluru, which is locking down for a week starting Tuesday. Lauren Freyer, NPR News. Voters in northern Spain are casting ballots in regional elections today. The polls are the first in Spain since the country began a strict coronavirus lockdown back in March. There's a presidential runoff election in Poland today. The result could shape Polish relations with the European Union. This is NPR News. time for this week's edition of Under the Radar, stories that didn't make the cut for the live show. However, they are important stories that you need to know. Here's our story for this week. Get out of the car! New information is coming out on Sandra Bland's state of mind after her arrest during a routine traffic stop in Texas. I will light you up! Get out! Now! Here's the last recording of her voice, left on a friend's answering machine. It was a day after her arrest. Hey, this is me. I just was able to see the judge. I don't really know. They got me set at a $5,000 bond. I'm, I'm still just at a loss for words, honestly, about this whole process. 
how they switching lanes with no signal turn into all of this, I don't even know. Um, but I'm still here, so I guess call me back when you can. Now, Texas officials are releasing this inmate questionnaire to support their claim that she committed suicide. When Sandra was asked, have you had thoughts of killing yourself in the last year, she replies no. But officials say when she was asked if she ever attempted suicide, she replied yes. In 2015, she lost a baby and attempted suicide by taking pills. Then, to the question, are you thinking about killing yourself today, she replies no. The family's attorney disputes that Sandra was suicidal. This family has no evidence that that is the case. None. And Sandra's sister responded on Good Morning America. Did you know anything about that? What I did know, George, was that she did lose a baby in May of 2014. And that's the most that I do know. Also on that questionnaire, Sandra was asked, have you ever been depressed? She replies, no. But listen to a video she posted online earlier this year. I am suffering from something that some of you all may be dealing with right now. It's a little bit of depression as well as PTSD. And to the issue of drugs, the Texas District Attorney's Office says toxicology reports revealed a substantial amount of marijuana in her system the day of her arrest. Meanwhile, the controversy is creating a political football. The candidates are starting to weigh in. On CNN, Trump criticized the trooper. I didn't like his demeanor. I thought it was terrible, to be honest with you. And I'm a huge fan of the police. I think the police have to be given back power. But this guy was overly aggressive. And Hillary Clinton released a statement saying, I hope and expect that there will be a full investigation into this situation. It is also a tragic reminder of the ongoing systemic issues of race and justice in America that we must address with urgency. And we have to do more than talk. We have to take action. Her statement became a hot topic on Fox News. What is her evidence that this is based on race, that the arrest was based on race, that his belligerent behavior was based on race? Maybe he's a hothead. Get out of the car. That's it. Thank you for listening. And remember, every week we'll feature stories that you need to know right here on Under the Radar, sponsored by the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. I'm Jay Rao. See you next time. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Welcome back, 347-850-1272. Tomorrow will be the fifth anniversary of Sandra Bland's death. All right, folks, it is time for Chatterbox. Final thoughts from our world-famous chat room and from social media. Tell this man, do you have anything you would like to contribute to this segment or people on punishment as usual? No, I got uh, Covina Man says that Roger Stone's situation remains up in the Jim Crow era. Uh, when whites knew that they could get away with all types of crimes because their family members were clan members, where they were sheriffs or judges or mayors and etc. Okay. All right. A, a lot of comments uh, on the last segment or the previous segment. Uh, let me try to get to them as quick as I can. All right. The pastor checks in. He says, "Peace of peace and blessings, family. What a powerful show!" And I must admit, I'm torn on a response to the black on black black on black crime segment. 
All I'm going to say is two things. No, he said, all I'm going to say is two wrongs don't make a right. We have to stop killing each other. And I'll leave it at that. All right, Pastor. Kier, Chicago. I am a former gang member, and I'm disappointed at some of the responses of your panelists. I didn't join the gang because there was no opportunities for me or my siblings. I joined the gang to make fast money, chase women, and be destructive. I took... It took the death of my sister, a bullet that was meant for me to wake to wake up and decide to turn my life around. We need to stop with all the damn excuses. We cannot continue to shout at the top of our lungs that black lives matter when we as black folks don't adhere to our own slogan. All right. Sorry to hear about your sister here. Celestine from Michigan City, I can see Mr I can see Jerome's and Mr. Elias's points on the B O B segment. I thought uh, black on black. Okay, I'm thinking bring your own bottle. All right. Uh, But I'm going to agree with Miss Vanessa. We can't continue to look at, we can't continue to look the other way or blame others for self-destructive, from self-destruction from within. Take a stand. We have to do better. Marlon from Oak Park. I guess that's in Illinois, Chicago. Kudos to Mr. Elias for, yeah. Kudos for Mr. Elias on giving the mayor her props. She has been dealt a bad hand, but she's trying her best. I agree with Jerome and Vanessa. It takes a village to raise a child. And if the village is jacked up, how can we expect to... Oh, I'm sorry, Marlon. I just lost it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. All right, let me go to Mariana Music. Uh, LTG, Mr. Elias. Love the groove. It pains me to say this, and I hear what my babies are saying, but I have to disagree with them on this topic and side with Miss Vanessa on this, okay? Stephanie Houston, I'm in tears after listening to the final words of George Floyd. Thanks for sharing. Eric, uh, Dallas, Texas, my first time. This is my first time hearing Mr. Floyd. Okay. My first time hearing Mr. Floyd's last words, which has changed my opinion on the previous segment. I'm officially pissed off. We do need to stop killing each other, but I agree with Mr. Elias' comments on this. Man, we have so many, so much here. We just can't get into it all. All right, tell you what we're going to do, because we're up against it. So we're going to let people say their goodbyes now, and then we're going to jump right into my favorite part of the show. So let's let people say their goodbyes now, because, man, I want to hear Jerome's full segment. So let's get final thoughts here real quick before we jump into the next segment, which is uh, on a need-to-know basis with our main man, Mr. Jerome Esprit. All right, Vanessa, give me your final thoughts here on today's show. Wow, a lot of stuff we tried to cover. Didn't have enough time. This was a deep, deep segment. I will continue to be in prayer for this country. I will continue to be in prayer for our people so that they can see whatever light it is they need to see to um, help this country to be a better country. So, um, to those of you who didn't like the comments that I made, I apologize to you, but that's just how I felt. And for those of you who support me, I appreciate that because our babies are very important to us. They are our future. They are our country. Uh, y'all have a good week, and I'll be here for the next segment uh, this time. So y'all have a good week. All right. Yeah, it's fun. You should hang around. It'll make you smile and uh, get some news, get some information that you can definitely use. It's a promising segment, and the comments are very good on it as well. And a lot of people like the after after hours, or they call it in, I forget what we call it, but, yeah, people like that because we let, let our hair down, those of us who have hair, but I've digressed. All right, uh, Kathleen, final thoughts. <laughs> uh, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, we can. Okay. Okay, thank you. Um, I just want to, I'll end with a, a scripture today. And this is coming from Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed because they lack knowledge of me. So, uh, in other words, the people perish 
for a lack of knowledge. So I am digging up the show for all of the visions, all of the knowledge, all of the opinions of everyone here. And I would hope that our audience, and I know they do, will continue to take them all in and consider them all because collectively it gives us the knowledge that we need to move forward in this world. And in that, I will say, have a blessed week. Oh, good for you. We're, again, I tell you what, we need to, uh, we, we have to work this into the show. I think what we're going to, we, we need to start off with prayer. We, we have to work it into the show. We have to. I just, I don't feel good without uh, having, a, you know, having a word of, uh, of uh, God to uh, bless this show. I really and truly believe that, and I really mean it. So we have to try to figure out a way to get it in. That's, that's a promise. Thank you so much, Kathleen, for sharing the scriptures. All right, uh, Johnny D, man, final thoughts. Each, each each morning that, that we awake and, and, and have an opportunity to make a difference, we should. Um, and I certainly have always felt that this show and this opportunity to to speak on topics certainly helps at least people understand the dynamics. And for some, it's the first time that they will really take upon themselves to, to, to look at a subject matter. Uh, to each one of you all, Ms. Vanessa, Dr. Williams, Jerome, Les, uh, in particular, Jay, I appreciate this opportunity. Like I say, this is a liberating experience for me each week. I look forward to the opportunity to dialogue and learn. Um, clearly, each one of us have varying uh, positions, but I think we all want the same thing. We want to see change and in order to make change happen, it has to be an adjective. It has to be action. So we have to take action in, in lieu of just conversation and dialogue. Uh, get out there into your communities for those things that you see that we need to improve on. Then certainly be men and women enough to get out there and improve. And it's never, never a wrong time to do the right thing. And clearly, in order to make sure that that's being shaped we have got to have a deity in life. Uh, like I say, God is, is my God in power, and I, I, I just the opportunities that he presents us on a day-to-day basis, we have to take advantage of. So, again, I, I look forward to uh, uh, ending this day here, and hopefully if it's God's will and my purpose, I'll see you next week. Uh, I, I do have the data and the figures on the, the COVID-19, but to be quite honest with you folks, when 69,000 people get the virus in one day, it's serious, and we mm. can't let that forever be lost in, in our presence. Mm. Wow. Make sure you give, give that information to us, man. I look forward to hearing that. Thank you so much, John, man. Wow. Hey, Mr. Uh, Spreeman, final thoughts, sir. Well, you know, I have a lot of thoughts, but I'll, I'll just say this. Um, there are a lot of fights to fight, and um, sometimes we just have to kind of stay focused and stay in the game that we're playing at the moment. I know there's a lot of things that we can do and we can change, but um, everybody has to play their position. And from your perspective, like wherever you are, if you're on the ground and you want to march, march. If you're older and you need to write, write. If you are an educator and you need to teach, teach. Everybody stay. I'm not saying that you have to stay in only one lane, but I am saying we need everyone to focus in the lane that they're in and not start fighting each other over nonsense and crossing um, crossing issues. So with that, I just want to say to everybody, have a good week. Appreciate it. 
appreciate the words, uh, Jerome. Meg, it's the first and last word. Uh, Ms. Telly has my final thoughts. Real quick, because I wanted to get into Jerome's segment, just get out and vote, folks. November 3rd is coming upon us, so get out and vote. Yeah. And I'll be real brief on my comments. Tucker, Tucker Carlson, you are a pig. You are an overzealous pig. Coward. For you to sit here and make those comments about Tammy Duckworth, a woman who sacrificed for this country, while people like you, you little fat, bow-tie-wearing bastard, I am pissed off by what he said about her. You have no right to call anyone who served this country a coward when you won't get your sorry fat tail out there and serve the nation itself. You, Donald Trump, and Rush Limbaugh, all of you guys are alike. You sit and grab the American flag and you talk about how patriotic you are, but when it came for you, when it comes down for you to put your life on the line for something, you didn't do it. You made money. So you can't open your mouth to say anything. Oh, by the way, your writer just resigned because he wrote racist and sexist comments on a post. Birds of a feather flock together. Unbelievable. And on that note, matter of fact, we're not even going to go on this note. Matter of fact, it is time for my, we need to get straight into this show. This is why we need prayer. This is why we need prayer. Because I need to go pray when I introduce Jerome, because I am upset. I, we need prayer. Four, three, we need prayer. Two, the first lady dazzles on election night in a... Tell me, what do you want me to do? Okay. Um, 
You know, on the um, entertainment uh, legend, Lena Horne, is the, is the subject of a limited um, series for Showtime. It's co-produced by her granddaughter. Um, Variety has report, re- reported that on Wednesday that Horn, who was not only a singer, dancer, and actress, she was also a civil rights activist who refused to perform for segregated audiences um, during mm. World War II and who took part... That was a horn, baby. Mm. Huh? That was a beautiful woman, man. Good yeah. Lord. Yep, she also took part in the March on Washington in 63. Um, she's born in Brooklyn. She was uh, on a corn's line at the famous Cotton Club. And the biopic is titled Blackbird, Lena Horn and America, and is named for Horn's favorite poem, which is called 13 Ways of Looking for a Blackboard, a Blackbird, according to Variety. Um, if you don't know who she is, you are, I know some of the young people won't know who Lena Horn is, but you need to go check her out. So some yeah. of the people who are going to be highlighted in this um, um, event of her life and career, um, she had re- um, just different relationships in her activism with Paul Robeson, Count Basie, Duke Ellington, Billie Holiday, Hattie McDaniels, Ava Gardner, Orson Welles. Like, she had done some work. So if you get a chance to see it, it's going to be on. Harry Belafonte ain't in there. Yeah, Harry Belafonte. Yeah, I was, yeah. Like, they, there's just some people who she interacted with, but she definitely, you know, put in a lot of work and, you know, hung out with her folks. So, and, and I think she made them, she was doing a, a tour during the war, um, visiting the troops, and she made them move the black troops to the front because that's when they were mm-hmm. segregating. They put the I black people that. in the back. Yeah. Yeah. She wouldn't perform. She made them move all the black yeah. people in the front. All right. Now, the U.S. coronavirus surged for the fourth consecutive um, day on Friday with more than seven, 70,000 Americans testing positive for the COVID-19 in just four, 20, wow. 24 hours. Now, according to wow. that's according to NBC's news tally that more than 70,000 people tested positive on Friday. Um, they said it was fueled by California, Arizona, Texas, and Florida. Now, New York State reached its lowest daily coronavirus hospitalizations with 799 and just seven deaths. That's over a three-day period. New York State has only had seven people pass, which could be lower, but our three-day average is now at seven. It's the lowest since March 16th. So I want to say this in a quick commentary. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. In a quick commentary, if all the other states would have been paying attention when New York State was going through theirs, and did what New York State did, wouldn't be having this problem. But they chose to listen to Dotard. That's what they chose to do. Hmm. I wonder what station we're referring to. Hmm. Governor Abbott? Hmm. Uh, Florida? Hmm. I I wonder. Anyway, sorry. Arizona? Abbott. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What'd you say? I said Abbott needs to go. Oh, yep. So all, all of those guys, and, and the guy in Florida is still talking noise, like, oh, it's going to be over soon. And, you know, a study has just been oh, released. DeSantis, 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 the guy who had a commercial with his kid playing with Trump uh, building blocks, that guy, him? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, and a new study has come out that showed that herd immunity does not work. So just wanting, uh, I think, Sweden... And I, I, it wasn't Norway, but it was another country. 
they tried that. They said, hey, just let everybody get coronavirus and let's see how that works. And it does not work. Herd immunity is not saving people's lives. Really? <laughs> not at all. Really? Now, uh, yep, uh, you, you, uh, have to be, you have to be some kind of dumb to let people tell you to go catch a virus. You have to be one of the dumbest people <laughs> on the face of yeah. this planet. Hey, well, people do it. Say, there's, a bunch of, there's a bunch of young people out there that are dumb because they are getting the virus. And they don't, they, that's what they're doing. They're looking for the coronavirus to catch it. A lot yeah, of there was young a, folks are. There was a news story at some college that they were having parties betting on who can get the virus first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. See, again, sometimes the news is not your friend, right? When they kept, when they started off and you're listening to um, Trump, the news needs to be more responsible in their editorial process to not let those guys spew out stuff that you know is wrong. So, and they have money on the pots at the party, uh, Jerome. They put money. It's a gambling thing. They put money on who's yeah. going to get it first. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and the person who won lost. That's all I can say yeah. about that. Hey, <laughs> lying there. <laughs> yep. All right. Now, a secret CDC document says that a full reopening of schools and university um, in in the U- U.S. is at high risk of spreading. The, the virus, despite Dotard pushing to reopen classrooms. So CDC head um, Robert Redfield said that his agency will not revise its guidelines on reopening schools despite the wishes of Dotard, um, who wants everybody to go back to in-person learning. Again, New York State's transmission is low, so they're opening stuff. But when your transmission is something like over 20%, you need to stay closed. Really? Yep. Now, the Catholic Church received $1.4 billion in PPP loans, and many dioceses um, have made wow. huge for sexual abuse. They were still able to get funds. What? So, yep. They said that oh, the church's hall may have reached or even exceeded $3.5 billion just in relief Good money. Lord. Yeah. Yeah, and and everybody, you know, we get on this and we keep talking about noise about people um, getting money and ain't doing any work and blah blah blah, and people need to get up off their butts and all this. Three billion dollars, three and a half billion dollars went mm. to the Catholic Church or wow. to religious institutions. Where's our separation of church and state? Only when it's only when it's convenient. Yeah. But you know, I'm sure. I think Kanye West got like a million dollars. Who knows why? He did he got, it. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, again, wow. when you have money, they just pass it to each other and blame poor people for not having money. And you got All small right. businesses that can't get a loan. That's the crazy thing about it. Yeah. Now, oh. Facebook, Facebook has caused um, sufficient setbacks for civil rights by failing to act on its contact, content, including Trump's post about mail-in ballots. That's according to two damning two-year audits. Now, those two-year audits was commissioned by Facebook and was carried out by um, civil rights experts and lawyers, and it was published on Wednesday. And they commissioned a study that found out that they were acting in the interest of the people who were committing the most crimes, right? White supremacy groups, um, people like Trump, who was feeding... um, you know, um, bad information about, you know, mailing ballots and all that stuff is creating distrust where we don't really have fraud in mailing ballot ballots. 
but Facebook is contributing to it. So they're saying that they're going to look at pulling some of the ads that they know is fueling things that are not true. Now, do we trust Facebook? I think every week we had a Facebook story about them lying, so I'm not going to really go mm-hmm. with this. <laughs> yep. Now, Uber and Lyft charge more per mile for riders traveling to and from non-white neighborhoods, according to a new study. So a study analyzed by analyzed Uber and Lyft's trips in Chicago, revealing that those uh, revealing those going to and from low-income and non-white areas were overcharged per mile. But their its algorithms, they, that's what they're saying. It's the algorithms that are to blame. That's mm-hmm. like redlining. Right. We charge more right. in poor neighborhoods, but we don't know why. It's the algorithm. Mm. And they, they said, well, I, I was I was shocked when I started reading about redlining. Jerome. They said it still exists. Oh, it really does. It, still, it does. Yep. I was like, what? Yep, black people with the that same is. credit rating still get charged higher mm-hmm. interest than white folks. And then depending on where you're buying a house, they will discourage you to move in another area. And so some real estate yep. companies still participate in saying, you're not the right type of black person to be over here. So they actually discriminate even on the real estate side. And again... Mm. You know, I understand the 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 person who made a comment who said that they were in a gang and that wasn't why because of systemic issues. But maybe maybe you don't see it from that. But opportunities actually put you in certain conditions because we all been there. Right. You know, I'm old enough right. to look past where I where my mindset was in my 20s. You know, in my in my teens, it was not about a bigger picture when I was young. So I can see why people would run with gangs and get fast money or women or whatever. But as an adult, we look at why it happened. We look at all the contributing factors to make you think like that as a kid. So I would tell you no head start, no, um, you know, opportunities will lead you to find other opportunities to make money just to have nice clothes, just to go to the prom, just to have a nice car. There's other contributing factors. So that's all we were saying. We're not going against why your personal reasons were to join a game. We're just saying overall our conditions are creating an environment. So redlining and all those other things put black people on top of each other, or poor people too as well, on top of each other. So it creates a different type of socioeconomic environment that has you value some things more than others. Because there's no way, I mean, again, I stopped playing basketball after um, I got out of college. I stopped buying, buying sneakers, so you would never see me in line trying to get you no know, $250 pair of sneakers. My value, mm-hmm. the value is there. So anyway, yeah, yeah. So we hear Kathleen or LES when we start talking about stuff like this. We're talking about bigger pictures. You, um, if you want to argue about individual cases, that's one thing. But bigger picture says that um, you know we need to look at how the system has created the monster. We don't look at the monster and say, "How do we tame the monster?" After that, hmm. now you know I have a I have a real quick uh, request, Jerome. Yeah. Mr. Elias said he could probably beat you playing some ball. He swear he's the greatest basketball player of all time. Amongst <laughs> I'm retired. I just wanted to put well, that, that out there. Not, oh, I'm well, he should retire too. too, but I just wanted to say that too. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. sorry. Go ahead, <laughs> hey, Elias. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you. Uh, <laughs> You know what, Jay has never beat me playing basketball. That's why he said that. It's I don't tell lies like that, man. I'm always eliminating him. 
I've always eliminated him and dismissed him playing basketball. So that's why he feels that way. I understand. This See, thing was video we game. digress. Jerome, carry on, man. Carry on, Jerome. I'm getting a, I'm getting a LeBron Jordan argument kicking in here in a minute. I'm about to say, look, are you talking about being my prime? Talking about okay, because you know, I'm just asking. Well, uh, you, yeah, you, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, Jerome. Sorry. Y'all look funny. All right. So, okay. So, Amazon has become the latest retailer to pull the Washington Redskins merchandise as the team plans to adopt a new name and a logo without Native American imagery. So on yeah. Wednesday, they they pulled the logo. I know we talked about that a little bit, but. Uh, I don't know what to think about it. Anyway, they said that they're pulling it. Now, um, you know, Cornell University will bring students back um, because in-person learning is best for public health, unlike what they said Harvard. No, this is not me saying this. This is the quote, because it's best for public health. Um, Unlike Harvard, where tuition remains $50,000 despite being on online classes, I don't understand what that Cornell University has decided that the institute will bring back students to campus um, in the fall, and they'll also have some online learning. But you got to remember, Cornell University is in New York State. Our transmission rate is a lot lower. Just wanted to put that out there. Mm. Just wanted to say that. All right. New Yorkers no longer trust police in the wake of uh, Black Lives Matter protests. That's what a new attorney general's report is saying in New York. A report released yesterday by the state attorney general, um, um, Letitia James, found that too many New Yorkers no longer trust the police to do their jobs effectively. I don't think they really needed um, to do a survey on that, but they could have just tuned into the show and and let Jay play Lawrence O'Donnell's um, or just watch Lawrence O'Donnell's show. You can see that on on there as well. Now, um, you know, Police forces um, are saying that there's they limit the number of cops filing for retirement because they've had a 400% surge of officers heading for the uh, exit because the lack of respect spurred by protests and the loss of overtime following um, New York's um, Mayor de Blasio, $1 billion in cuts. So the New York PD said that um, 179 cops filed for unemployment between June 29th and July 6th, and a staggering 401% increase in uh, on the um, people who retired. It's only 35 people who retired. They have the biggest police force in the doggone world, New York City does. So only 35 retired, but they're saying it's a 401%. You know why? Because mm-hmm. when they dig into your files, they're going to find out how much of them 35 people committed crimes. Don't really? believe that that they scared of protesters. If you wasn't doing anything to beat down nobody, you shouldn't be scared of no protester. So since, it, you know what's amazing to me about this LES is that, uh, and Kathleen, because Kathleen's in New York, is that people are retiring because they can't choke black people. That's exactly that's what like, my husband says. <laughs> like, like, why does that make sense? Why doesn't that, why does that make sense to anybody? That because and why they, do they want? Sorry, go sorry. ahead, Kathleen. I was gonna say, and why do they expect us to feel bad about it? Exactly. Like, oh, yeah, we're gonna blame yeah. you because the police officers are retiring. 
because they can't choke black you up. Like, oh, thank God. Any more? <laughs> Can we get some more? Anybody right. else? You get right. Austin going over here. Come on now. Yeah, and they're using words like it's a lack of respect for authority and blah, blah, blah. It's like the moral of the story is that you can't choke black people and you have to turn on your camera. And they're like, oh, no, I got, I got to retire. We can't have that. Well, so anyway. Yeah, it, it, it's the weirdest story, but it, it's it's uh, it's one of those things that just seems so blaringly obvious that I don't understand why anybody, even as a police officer, would say, you know what, they don't respect us no more. It's like, yeah, because if you can't speak up about unjustly murdering people, then technically nobody should respect you. But mm-hmm. I digress. All right. And remember that first choking happened, well, not the first one, but one of the first ones that were recorded and went to trial was right here in New York City in Staten yeah. Island. Yeah. The guy with the cigarette. Was it the guy with the cigarette selling That's cigarettes? Right. Eric Garner. Yeah. Eric Garner. Eric Garner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, and again, I'd like to re- remind, and I know I bring this up, but Johnny Gamets, who was killed in Pittsburgh, who I knew, um, I over the years I did not know too much of the details of the story. I didn't go to trial, although friends and family and people went. Um, I just found out recently his brother, or I'm sorry, his cousin Ray Seals, who used to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Super Bowl mm-hmm. champions at the time, um, Ray did an interview, and um, and I know Ray personally, and um, I never heard this story, but he said the policemen who asphyxiated him, they were on his chest, Johnny was probably 135 pounds soaking wet, about big as Tupac, as they suffocated him, he was driving a Jaguar, because Ray's grandfather was sick so he decided to drive to get Ray and they were going to drive home and he got pulled over and the policemen um, killed him officiate him and um, they went to trial let the officers off and that officer who killed him is now the police chief wow you want to talk about a sick world that we live in that guy is now the He's the Brentwood police chief outside of Pittsburgh. That guy that's was the main like one. That. Who did it? Which is that? That's, that's, a, that's a story like that in Bel Air, Texas, where one of the uh, baseball players, uh, professional baseball player, his son got shot unarmed, had him on the ground in front of his house because he read the number on his car wrong and said he stole the car. So they, they, they grabbed his mother, threw his mother up against the wall because they were at his house. And he said, what the F are you doing to my mother? And he raised up a little bit, and the police officer shot him. That guy's now the lieutenant of that police department. So they get they get commended for doing stuff like that. Oh, they do. yeah. Yeah, and um, I can tell you a, a story about another police officer who, um, a friend of mine's brother, he was a police officer. They had a sting. He was actually killed by another police officer, and they blamed it on the guy who they were arresting, who did not have a gun in his hand. And um, the guy who was ac- actually on the scene became police chief as well. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. We, again, so every time we hear one story, you need to know that there's probably another 200 stories just like it because that's how infrequent black people are listened to in this doggone country. So when you say that we're making a big deal and we need to move on, there there's some reconciliation that needs to happen. That's why police are getting defunded, because apparently playing military um, 
um, playing soldier in the in while you're a policeman is is a new trend, and they shoot first and ask questions later unless they're white. You know, they take mass murders. People who do school shootings mm-hmm. and stuff, they bring those fools in. Yeah, they, yeah, they taking the Burger King and McDonald's away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. they bring them in, but they get to practice on everybody else. All right, um, Bernie Sanders has a new policy platform unveiled by um, Joe Biden, Vice President Joe Biden. Um, it will make their present pre- presumptive Democratic nominee the most progressive president since Franklin Roosevelt. Is that's what Bernie Sanders is saying? Um, he's referring to a series of platform recommendations for the Democratic Party that were put together by the Biden Sanders Unity Task Force. It's a series of groups formed after the primary process to bring together um, both wings of the party. Um, mm. Bernie Sanders said that these um, these folks, needless to say, um, people represented the progressive movement, have a different perspective on things than Biden's people, but there was, ser- there was serious discussions, and I think the real honest effort to come will be a compromise, and I think the compromise... <laughs> they came up with, if implemented, will make Biden the most progressive president since FDR, is what Sanders um, said on Wednesday. Hmm. So, wow. and, and, and again, I think I said this on this show um, months and months ago, is that your president, depending how Congress is when they get in there, will adhere to the policies that come out of Congress. You just need a friendly there to actually help you. And I think Joe Biden is one of those people who will take more of a risk than President Obama would. President Obama did not want to appear to be something, and I think Joe Biden don't care. So, really? Yeah, I think you, you're going to see more progress under Biden than you did Obama. Wow. Right. Okay. Yeah, now Joy Reid um, has a new program. You know, AM Joy just went off not too long ago. Um, uh-huh. She'll host a nightly news program on NBC, making her one of a handful of black women to anchor an evening show. So Reed will make her official debut on July 20th and will hold the 7 o'clock slot for her new show called The Readout. If you don't know, it's going to take over the slot that Chris Matthews had, Hardball, after he was forced to resign in March over allegations of sexism in the workplace and some on-air on mishaps is what they're saying. So Reed, who previously hosted MSNBC, well, I guess she still hosts the AM Joy, uh, will begin, um, she'll begin in July, on July 20th. So she, oh, by the way, the oh. show is filmed in D.C., emphasized on politics, um, punditry, uh, examine race, um, policies, class system, and other social Media issues is what they're saying in their statement. So, Joy Reid has a new show. I wonder who's going to take her, yeah. her, her Sunday show. Yeah. Her yeah. Saturday and Sunday show. I wonder who's going to take you know, Melissa Harris Perry. I know. They need to bring her back. <laughs> you know, I am. I need to start a petition. You know, Keith Overman should have been back a long time ago. I mean, I know he's still yeah. doing working at ESPN. A long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, once they got, you know, Melissa Harris, Perry out, Keith Overman, whomever. Now, MSNBC's their the person who is running their news division says that not only do we need more diversity on the air, we need, need more diversity behind the scenes. So they moved the yeah. same black person who works at MSNBC over to another show, but they're not bringing out any more black people. 
that's going to be a little strange. But anyway, I, I think I, I hope they bring Tiffany Cross, Cross maybe. Down, man. Yeah. What'd I you say? Joy Reid just did bring... a lead show on MSNBC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And who did I you say, Miss Elliott? That's what I was saying. Yeah, Tiffany I didn't hear you, Elliott. Tiffany who? Cross. I hope they bring her in. Tiffany Cross. Tiffany. She did it yeah. last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I, I saw her sit in for her, and I, I like Tiffany. But again, there there are, you know, Tiffany Cross should be given the opportunity. Melissa Harris Perry did a great job. Yeah. But we don't, we don't, don't need people to be black in there. We need people in there to who's going to focus on some things that are going to be culturally diverse. Because this is why the Black Lives Matter and all these other movements seem so shocking to everybody else. is because we whiten up TV so much that they don't have diversity, and then they're shocked that black people have organizations. You know, it's like there's a black gun club kind of thing. Like, it's like you didn't see that black people are organized in many different areas. You know, really? they won't even do a black spelling bee. You know, they just, everything has to be white. Oh, by the way, you know, ex-Fox News anchor Shep Shepard has a new show. He's going to join CNBC to host a new evening news program. Guess what time is coming on? Same time, Joey Reed. There you go. Now, again, as crazy as Fox is, Fox News is not news, they moved them to CNBC, which is Fox's sister. Is they cuz is their brother from a different who, who, who are you saying? Shepard Shepherd Smith? Yes. Now, he's not with Fox anymore. I mean he quit Fox because of all that nonsense that was going on over there. Uh huh. Yeah. Which yeah, point? he's not with Fox anymore. He quit. He said I'm not I can't he said I can no longer do the news on this sorry like he's like you, it's no news. It's ridiculous. He left. I didn't right. know he could come back so soon. I thought he had a non compete. Yeah, he probably did have a non compete. And I think they let him wow. out of it the way, because of the way that he was released. I think that he his non compete is not a factor. Oh, because they so they pretty much this. Yeah. He, he yeah he he was he wanted to resign, um, opposed to them firing him. And so I think it's how you leave if you get a non compete. But they oh, okay just so that they didn't have to fight with him. They probably let him out. Um, of that agreement. I don't think he, because you usually have to sign one to get your compensation. So a lot of times, as you would know, like whether it's in corporate or whatever in business, when you leave, you can leave under good terms or bad terms. And a lot of times you yeah. have to sign this non, um, non-competitive agreement or whatever it's called. And um, he didn't have to sign one. They left on really bad terms. <laughs> so he was like, I'm out. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, see. Yeah, he's under. Oh, well, he's with NBC now. Okay. CNBC. All right. Wow. Yeah. Which tells you how conservative NBC is. Because I wouldn't have hired him worse spot. I don't care how much you fake being middle of the road. Again, this is why we have problems in this country because we don't look at how um, colonialism works or how colonizers work. Right? It's like, oh, he's not as bad as the really racist people, and it's like, no. He was still their crew. He was still in their crew. So he was still at Fox. I don't know. He still, I, I used to I, watch Shepard. Hey. He used to, he used to, boy, he used to, man. <laughs> Ooh, boy. No, no, he was I, the only I'm thing sure. I would watch over there when I could. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I'm, well. I'm sure I'm sure he stepped out a little bit, but he's still, bottom line is bottom line. He was there for a, a reason. So I'm not moved by it. But, hey, he do what he wants. Now, Trump's campaign rally in Tulsa, more 
more than likely contributed to the spike in coronavirus in Oklahoma, where nearly 18,000 are now infected. So Tulsa's health director, Dr. Bruce Dark, um, said that you can connect the dots between the between the dotards. He didn't say that. That's me. June 20th campaign rally <laughs> and the surge of the coronavirus cases. Yeah, I almost called him something else, and we're not going to do that today. So, um, you know, the White House also pressured and um, sent crazy in-the-middle-of-night texts and emails and calls to force the federal weather officials to change the forecast. Remember when they had that thing with the um, – they had to backtrack Hurricane Dorian's warnings and, and say, oh, it wasn't as bad as it's going to be. Remember Trump did that? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, the Commerce Department Inspector General um, concluded on Thursday that the NOAA statement backtracking on the Hurricane Dorian's warning have been hindered, may have been hindered, oh, I'm sorry, may have hindered public safety because they found that they were getting White House pressure and they found the text and email and the calls that tried to force their weather officials to tell them the wrong forecast. And you should go to jail for that. You should be impeached for that. Can you imagine? The president's like, oh, um, yeah, tell them, tell them the hurricane's going to miss them. <laughs> right? Shouldn't you go to Yeah. Wow. Okay. Again, out of all the other news that's going on, yeah, I think that one is um, – some of these stories are getting skimmed. So, um, Can I just in for a second? That one yeah. lines up with the – thank you. That one lines up with the pressure that they're putting on the CDC to change their report so that people will open the, the schools back up. Like yeah. The CDC says, mm-hmm. no, we don't think you should be doing that. And they're like, you know what? The CDC is about to change their report. And we're like, say what now? And then the next day, the CD's like, nope, no, we didn't say that. <laughs> we're not changing the right. report. So mm-hmm. I, right. Because what they're finding out is that they're, and they're lying in their press conferences because technically since the department's report to the, to the White House, they are saying that they're speaking for those departments. And those departments are like, I'm not lying. You can say what you want to say. But that's just how dysfunctional um, federal government is. It's dysfunctional because now we don't have any – we don't know who to believe. And, again, hmm. if every state governor would have took after Cuomo, New York State, we wouldn't even have the cases that we have now in the virus. But everybody's like, hmm. oh, no, you know, Cuomo's a dictator. And they're like, yep, but we um, we have seven deaths in, in, three, in the last three days. So as long as we can get them to zero, we're going to be good. All right, you know – Trump wanted to sell Puerto Rico after, yes. after the aftermath of Hurricane I Maria. Yeah, I saw. I couldn't believe that man. I was like, "What?" <laughs> the ex <laughs> uh, Homeland Security Secretary said uh, says that she was stunned to, at Trump's response and the crisis in, that claimed, um, you know, more than three thousand lives. That uh, Elaine Duke is her name, um, who took over the role. Um, um, you know, during John Kelly's transition as White House chief um, in 2017, she said that he wanted to, he inquired and wanted to sell Puerto Rico. <laughs> so long Again. as the proceeds, so long as the proceeds of the sale of Puerto Rico go to Puerto Rico, right? So you're gonna yeah. give us the money, 
And then we, you know, they can succeed or align themselves with whomever they choose or independent, whatever. I know, or maybe ever, Puerto- I know all, huh? Or maybe Puerto Rico could have bought their own freedom. <laughs> it's like, I'm out. Like total independence, right? Because yeah. they would be able to get support from all over everywhere. Right. To rebuild their in- infrastructure. And I know Cuba would be right up in, in line. Yeah. Say, hey, you know, no problem. You, what do you need? You need yeah. X? You need Y? You need whatever? That man is just... That, get that, away to Puerto know, Rico. That's all we need. Yeah. And that reminds me of how, as Americans, we demonize all these other countries for, like, for like bull, right? And so who is that who had to denouncing something nice about Cuba not too long ago. It was about, I think it was like a week or two ago. Someone said something and everybody came out and was like, oh, denounce him. And, and just like, what's his name, Deshaun Jackson, when he put a quote out there and they were like, um, um, I forgot who the, who the person was. But anyway, they wanted him to denounce Farrakhan and some other stuff. And I, I want yeah. to say this record is that, I, you know, I was listening to Chuck D not too long ago um, from Public Enemy, from the group Public Enemy. Chuck D was one of the first people who mentioned Minister Farrakhan on record. Like, one of the first. And he would not back down still till a day about it. And the problem is, is that although he may have said some things 30 years ago that made you feel some kind of way, black mm. people do not, like, if somebody apologized to, like, you know, who was that, Charlie Sheen? used the N-word, caught him butt-naked in Vegas with cocaine. He was like, my bad. He was on Two and a Half Men the next week. Like, they gave him all that money, put him back in the mainstream. Somebody does something in the 60s that's black, and y'all want black people not to like them. And then black people, in a crazy way, is like, oh, yeah, we're scared of Farrakhan because Jewish people don't like him. So Deshaun Jackson had to go and apologize and all this other stuff, saying, and not only... Do they want him to take, like, a sensitivity class? They want him to donate proceeds to some Jewish organization. Where the, the white guy... Thing. Yeah, what's that guy? Riley something Riley? Yeah, Riley Cooper. Riley yeah. Cooper. Riley Cooper. Yeah, he apologized, and he ain't sent a dime to black people nowhere. But if you're black, it's like um, you need to prove. Like, like that's a whole different system and a whole nother show. But there is something that needs to be said. But again, while black people are exploring their freedom, don't take that bull either. If you don't like the minister, bite me. If you don't like Reverend Wright, bite me. But we're finding out Reverend Wright was right, was right in what he said. So mm-hmm. y'all can get mad at Obama for having Reverend Wright, but now that all this other stuff is going on, um, he was telling the truth. So deal with it. Now, special counsel. Hey, guys, before you. Before you go, go on, I just wanted to let I have to I have to run, so I wanted to say God bless you. I love you all, and and uh, hopefully we'll be seeing you next week. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I only have a couple more. <laughs> all right, Kathleen. Have a good one. All right. Okay. All right. Um, special Counsel um, um, Robert Mueller is defending the Russian probe against um, Roger Stone. Who remain, he said he remains a convicted felon, and rightfully so, despite Trump's decision to commute his friend's sentence. So here's the thing with Robert Mueller, because I'm watching everybody, the Fox News people and all them, saying that Robert Mueller should not say anything like he did before. And the truth is, if Robert Mueller would have just told the truth to begin with, 
then technically everybody wouldn't have mixed messages. Really? You know what I mean? He know he knows that Robert that Roger Stone conviction is righteous, but now he wants to say something about it, and now Fox is jumping all over him for it. <laughs> so we'll have to see how that goes. Now, a couple is charged with hate crimes for painting over a city-sanctioned Black Lives Matter mural in California with paint. So Nicole Anderson, who's 42, and David three were charged with hate crimes on Tuesday for point paint for painting over that mural. Mural. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah, they, they, they got out their truck and they pulled out the black paint and they threw it down on a. I was like, "What is wrong with these people?" And then they, yeah, they should have got they should have got charged with a hate crime. They mm-hmm. should have. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, um, did you see this? That CEO, like he's a, a British guy. He's the CEO of this company called Solid Eight. He was had this racist rant Asian against this Asian family. Yes, I saw and, that one too, man. Yeah, he issued an apology uh, to their families and said that um, it is my commitment to you to overcome my issues. I have once again begun my journey back to sobriety <laughs> and <laughs> and have enrolled in an anti-racist program with immediate effects. What kind of anti-racist program is that? Because I think everybody needs to go hey. to that. It has hey, immediate effects. But come on, man! He didn't want to lose no more. He didn't want to lose no money. That's all oh, that was. Come on, too man! Late. You heard white people. He's gonna no, lose money. Too late. That fool had to step down. Really? He stepped down as CEO. Yeah. See, see what yeah. happens is that they're getting called out, and now he's apologizing, and then he end up having to step down because mm. now he's trying to take it back. Again, wow. good or bad, um, people are showing their hand. You know, so. um the, the the restaurant serger, um, server who kicked him out of the restaurant has received $97,000 in tips from three GoFundMe pages. Now, again, the Asian family didn't get jacked, but they paid the person who kicked the racist guy out and gave them $97,000. Wow. Yeah. Again, is that kind of racist? You get the white person, yeah, yeah. you're like, I, I don't like what the other white person is. Let's give the other white person a nice out. And, um, hey, you guys enjoy your meal. <laughs> like, what do you give the Asian family who had to deal with this not, that nonsense? All right, anyway, all right. So um, there is a video filmed in North Carolina. shows an unknown white woman questioning two people that she doesn't recognize and accused them of trespassing in her neighborhood to use the pool despite that they live there. So yeah. In an, yeah, so this woman, um, she was holding up her phone, about to make a call, and shouts, I know everyone who lives here. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, she said she threatened to call the police, so they kept telling her to call the police. So yeah. there's a video, video posted that says, uh, we met a Karen today who called the cops on us for hanging out in our own neighborhood pool. Because she didn't believe we lived there. Again, no, what is she going to do? Apologize a little later? Really? All right. They arrested one in California. This woman was, she was a terror, man. She was going around messing with everybody. Yeah, she was in, the oh, yeah. in California. Oh, they went, I was like, they, they couldn't find her. She was in that town over. Yeah. She would come to town over and terrorize these people. Yeah. Yeah, so, oh, you know, 
before I uh, forget this, you know that John Wayne exhibit has been removed from the University of Southern California after students called out um, him for his racist and homophobic statements. So they re- they said mm-hmm. that it's being removed from the School of Cinema Arts in the University of South Carolina is what the um, officials um, said on Friday. Mm-hmm. John, oh, you remember um, LES when we did the whole public enemy, John Wayne was a hero of the most? Yeah. Yeah, you know, the next yeah. day is when the BET Awards was on, and they redid Fight the Power. Did you see that? Really? Not yeah. even a chance to see it. Oh, man, you have mm. to see it. YouTube it. It's Fight the Power, BET Awards. Um, Nas did a verse. Chuck D was in it. Flav was in it. It was it was oh, actually man. pretty cold. And they I'm did go through. Yeah, and they, and they did still say um, him and or Elvis was a hero the most in F. John Wayne. Mm-hmm. In there, so, <laughs> so we yeah, we called that out a week before that happened, or a week or two before that happened. Now, yeah, uh, yeah now a mother of two, she's thirty-seven, shot dead her five-year-old daughter and tried to blame her two-year-old before being charged in Tennessee. So Robert Howling reportedly blamed her two-year son, two-year-old son, for fatally shooting her five-year-old daughter in September in Knoxville, Tennessee, um, but she was. Really? Recently arrested for murder. I can't believe they even fell for that. Really? Yep. Um, Alaskan Governor um, Sarah Palin and her husband Todd quietly divorced in March after claiming they found it impossible to live together. So the case is sealed from public viewing, but the docket posted public, uh, publicly showed that their divorce was granted on March 23rd following a non-consent um, consented hearing. Um, so Todd filed first in September and um in two thousand nineteen. So Sarah yeah. Palin's gonna pop up. I bet you Trump tried to give her a job. It's like you divorced yeah. yeah, yeah. You know as his popularity goes down, you you're gonna start bringing out all the crazies. So now that she's free, she's gonna be making some noise. All right. So um that's well actually, you know what? Um while I'm doing bad stories, there's a, a retired two star <laughs> army general who was in his 70s, pled guilty to one charge of aggravated sexual battery against his daughter in a Virginia court on Wednesday. So Jennifer Elmore, she's 49 now. She claimed her father sexually abused and raped her through her childhood. It started when she was three years old and continued through her teenage years. And um, she came forward with the claims in 2015, and she brought the allegations to the Army, who launched an investigation. The Army was forced to drop charges on the technicality. But Elmore pushed to have her father charged in Virginia instead, and he was arrested on December um, 2018 after a four-month investigation. Um, He maintains his innocence and admitted guilt on Wednesday in exchange for a suspended sentence. So he's expected to be released from prison on a 20-year probation this week. He's getting 20-year probation. Again, I should have played Man. black or white on that one, huh? Yeah. Who gets a 20-year probation yeah. for rape and sexual yeah. assault? Yeah. Mm. All right. So my last my last story, I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, Senator Kelly Loeffler, Loeffler um, Republican, denounced the WNBA's politi- politicalization of sports, and she called on the league to promote the American flag. She said, the truth is, we need less, not more, politics in sports. In a time when polarizing politics 
is as diverse as ever, or divisive as, as ever. Sports has the power to unify, and now more than ever, we should be united in our goal to remove politics from sports. And I have to say this about the WNBA, and much respect to the 80% of the black females that are in the WNBA. They have one by one call, called on the NBA to kick her butt up out of there. Now, she is one of the owners of the Atlanta Dream, and most players was like, I wouldn't play for her anyway. So today, uh, one of the players came out and said, you know, how media does this. If you had something to say to her, what would you say? And she said, I'm not talking to her, and I don't care less whether she gets over it or not. That's the attitude that I need to hear from black folks. You can't save people, right? If she want to be racist and crazy, let her be racist and crazy. It is not our job to go forgiving white folks for for brutalizing us. So they're calling on the league to remove her, and the league responded that they are standing with the players, and the players have a right to protest. And they made note that she has not been working with the Atlanta franchise since, um, I think it was December of 2019. So they're trying to distance themselves from her because she hasn't been there since she's been a senator. But the players are saying she wasn't elected anyway, so you might not want to elect her. So get out the vote. There you have words it. right out of my mouth. She wasn't even uh, elected. She was, you know, these people are just a bunch of jokes, man. All right. Well, folks, that wraps it. I tell you, it was a good show. As always, appreciate Jerome and for what he does for the show and just for you guys tuning in every every week, folks who are listening through their multiple devices. We appreciate that as well. And so um, last but not least, uh, I'll let uh, Mr. Elias give us the final word before we get out of here. Well, folks, Get out and vote. That's all I got to say about that. Get out and vote. And and also, Jay, I sentiment. I I I echo your sentiments about Tucker Carlson. He's a piece of crap, man. He is. To him to do what he did to Tammy Duckworth, and she's a she's a war hero. I I I, I echo your sentiments. He is a piece of crap, and I want to use the other word, but I won't on this show. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it. We're out. Have a great work week. Uh, stay virus-free. Make sure that you follow all the uh, uh, all your local uh, local and state and well, not state. Just you know, follow your common sense. You know, you know if you have little <laughs> guidelines around, make sure you do right there. You go follow, mm-hmm. follow, follow your common sense. Don't don't all the local guidelines take your own. The lot, yeah, depending on where you are. <laughs> okay, just make sure you use common sense and. Uh, be safe, be well. God hey, bless. wear a mask. Hey, we will. That's what you need to do. Wear a That's mask. what we've been doing in New York State. And um, yeah, we don't right. have a chance. Wear a mask. There you go. It's, it is as simple as that. You are not a wussy because you wear a mask. Wear a mask. Mask up. Instead of saying man up, mask up. All right, folks, have a wonderful week. We'll see you back here, if God's willing, on Sunday. And if it is Sunday and if we're talking serious stuff, it is the serious side. We'll see you next time. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Network. Network.